Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. From, from, from page, page to screen. To screen. Hello. Hello. Hello, welcome to Near Enough the Year End. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and all that. Isn't it? It's like I was finishing work this morning at 7 o'clock and it was like, see you guys and girls next year. Done. Mm-hmm. I am now officially off until next year. And then I'm in for a one whole shift and then I'm off for a whole bunch more days. So I'm very, very excited, but also very, very tired. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't care because I'm off work. <laughs> it's amazing. So how's <laughs> things? How was Christmas? Christmas was good. Um, you know, uh it was it was mini Christmas, uh, take two, uh, just like July. Um, lots of video chatting with uh, family, and uh, talking to friends on the telephone. It was, yep. you know, actually, it was very nice. It was a modern technology Christmas, but obviously you had the old-fashioned Christmas in your house as well. So. Yeah. How about you? It was alright. It's very very quiet. It didn't. I don't want to say it didn't feel Christmassy because for me, I've I've never really felt that Christmas thing anyway. So I'm all right. I'm good. <laughs> but we we sort of had uh, nibbly food, you know, little mini quiches and mini pizzas and spring rolls and stuff. And then we watched a bunch of films on the projector, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll go into on a future podcast. So I'm building my list up of things that I've watched. But we generally just did not much. I got the new Call of Duty game for. Christmas, which is good. Uh, weirdest install ever, because I, I thought, right, I'll install it. Mm-hmm. So the net's like, you can play it now if you want. I'm like, no, all right, I'll play it later on. I don't want to put a game on and play it for five minutes. I want to mm-hmm. put a game on and play it for like an hour. So I'm like, no, no, I'll just install it and then I'll play it over the next few days. So I'll put it all on. And then I think a couple of days after, I thought, right, I'm going to sit down and have a have a play with the game. So I'm going to play the campaign. So I put it in and it went, you've not installed that. I'm like, yeah, I have. You need to install the campaign separately. I'm like, how the hell do I do that? I don't know. I literally <laughs> had to go onto Google to find out how to actually install this game. You've got to go into this weird submenu where you right-click on the or do whatever, and then it's like, which bits do you want to install? You're like, I kind of want to install the whole game, to be honest. So I ended up doing that. It took about three hours to install the campaign. <laughs> it's like, come on. But it's all installed. I've been playing it, and it's fun. So. I have to say, it it does remind me. Um, uh, the other day, um, on the on uh, the new gaming PC in the house, um, I decided to install um, a Star Wars game. Ooh. I can't remember the exact title of it. It was one of these um, giant multiplayer things where you play with hundreds of other people across the globe. Battlefront, possibly. Yep. And uh, so I sit, sat down. It was free on Steam, so you know you you, you can't get better than free. No. Um, click the the install button, and uh, the little thing pops up. Forty three gig to go. <laughs> R- estimate eight and a half hours. Isn't it? It's like it's nuts. <laughs> this, the, the Call of Duty install, I think, and I'm probably like a gig or two off, but it's like a hundred and forty gig. 
this thing, and you're like, <laughs> I've bought the disc. This isn't the digital version I'm buying. This mm-hmm. is off the disc. What the hell? Do you remember years ago you used to pick a game up on a floppy disk and play it for hours and hours and hours? <laughs> now it'd be like 8 million floppy disks. It's absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. But uh, did you install the Star Wars game, and did you have a play, and what did you think of it? It's installed, but it is of yet hasn't been played because, <laughs> exactly. because the uh, the computer's been fully booked up uh, since. Wow. Crazy. But I've had uh, a modern technology day as well. I've I've purchased a second screen. So Ooh. I'm now running off two 32-inch monitors. Uh, identical make. I thought, I don't want two monitors that are different. That will just do mm. my... I'm not OCD, but it's like, why would you want monitors that are different? You want them the same. Yeah. looks better. Mm. Uh, so I installed it and then it wouldn't work and this thing, nothing to do with the monitor it's just computer setup i'm sure you're familiar with those over the past few days so i've now had to order this little dongle box that plugs into a usb socket that gives it an extra hdmi port that will enable me to oh. to run two screens so that'll be tomorrow's uh, project but it's all good I've, I've actually got two screens looking at me and so it'll be a nice setup. It'll help me for work because I'll be able mm-hmm. to do more than one thing at once, but also help me with everything else. That, you know, the, the projects that we've talked about, I'll be able to have a have a cooler setup. So, but sounds uh, good. But yes, yeah, it's, it's nearly the year end, Rob. This is the last I podcast know. that we're recording of 2020. I'm sure we can fit one in tomorrow. No, don't. No, no. <laughs> no, well, the only one I was pondering doing, and I could probably just do that on the first of January. You know like beginning of new year is mm-hmm. what our new year's resolutions are going to be our okay. plans for 2021 so i think that's a fitting one for the beginning of the year rather mm-hmm. than the end of 2020 so um i think it goes without saying that when when it comes to covid and pandemics and you know coronaviruses 2020 has sucked big time mm-hmm. so we don't need to go too much into that but we've got a whole bunch of stuff to go through uh in this episode so there'll be no this week I've watched, unless it appears in your lists, in which case it's okay. Um, and it it's going to happen. It probably, yeah. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like I've got to the point where I'd finalised my list and it's like I don't want to watch any more films now because I don't want to have to faff around with flipping list again. I'm done. Yeah, I've, I've spent so much of this week going, well, I'll put that one in and I'll put this one in and Oh, do I need to get rid of one? And so I don't, I've got a top whatever. I don't even know how many's in it anymore. I haven't got a clue. Probably ten, eleven, fifteen, <laughs> something like that. I think I don't know. Yeah, I put myself on a on a film ban a few days ago, and yeah. I've only watched one thing since, uh, and that's not been a film. That's not too well. I think I've done the same. I've watched a little bit of TV, but those things were already on my list anyway, so I'm all good. So how many categories have you got? Because I know I've got like a whole bunch and maybe you'll be able to think of some things that would um, get the awards for the categories that I chuck in you at Mm -hmm. uh, at the last minute. But what have you got? So have have you just got the minimal ones, so like best films and stuff, or have you got any extra ones? Well, I've got minimal, but I've also then got answers to other ones in case they crop up. Okay. So I've got my top 10, obviously. Yeah. I have a best documentary, even though it's not in my top ten. Okay. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I tend to do that. I tend to segregate things sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fine. I've got um, a best musical. 
Um, okay. I've got the TV category. I've yep. got the boot category. Um, the the video game category's got a question mark by it because really <laughs> all I've played in the year is Minecraft, and it seems a bit unfair to pit Minecraft against no, itself. I don't I know which one will win. I don't think so. I think Minecraft might get mentioned later on from you. <laughs> but no, I've only played about three, four video games this year because you find one, you like it. So guess what? You carry on playing it. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's a justifiable winner if in fact it does but uh but i i did um so i've seen 186 films this year wow i do keep lists a little google spreadsheet and i did a little bit of a breakdown so anybody who's going to try and add these numbers up forget it because it doesn't include every single film i've watched but out of the 186 films that i have seen 85 of them were rewatches, so things i've seen before mm-hmm. and 101 were films i had never seen before that's not bad. That's but that's kind of like half and half, really. To be, it's not too yeah. far off. Um, out of the hundred and eighty-six films, nineteen of them were on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Twenty-nine of them were on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Two of them were on BritBox. Oh, shout out to BritBox for two films I watched. I think that was the. One of them was The Force Protocol. I think the other one was Downtime that I watched. Uh, two of them were on Disney Plus. Oh bless. Mm-hmm. Sixty-one on DVD. 12 on Google Play, 23 on Netflix, 24 were screeners, 8 films on Shudder. Now, I actually broke them down into categories as well, and out of the 186 films I saw, 54 of them were drama, 25 horror, 24 action, 6 comedy, and 14 documentaries. And then, like a whole bunch of other things, like science fiction and whatnot, they won't fit into those. But mm-hmm. uh, it was an interesting breakdown. Uh, we've done 55 podcasts this year. This is the 56th. Now, I know you weren't in on all of those because some of those I did at Grimfest and, and whatnot. But that's that's more than one a week. So um, I'm not quite, bad. I am quite happy with that. But 186 films. It's not the most films I've ever seen in an entire year. I think that's 366, which was about five years ago. But I think on average, I tend to be around this mark. So like 180, 190, 200, stuff like that. But interesting. That's how geeky I am. I actually do a spreadsheet where I keep score of all the films I watched. It's quite sad and pathetic, really. I should really get a social life, but, you know, who's had one of those in 2020 other than a whole bunch of covidiots? So with this list you've done for your top films, is this the first year that you've ever done this type of list? Um, I think I was involved last year. Mm-hmm. As well, so um, you know, I did the whole top ten thing last year. I think, um, if I remember correctly, the Greatest Showman uh, came out on top. Yes, it did, didn't it? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a new year, uh, a new list, and I'm not allowed to put the Greatest Showman on there because I've already seen it. Yes, it's always. I mean, a lot of people have different rules for what they how they do their lists, and I think it's fascinating, but. You know, this is our show. We can do what the hell we want. <laughs> so if you can find out a way to put the greatest showman back on there, go for it. Knock yourself out. You're, you're, you're the expert. Has there been a director's cut? No. Or anything like that? That No. Okay. No, I mean... No, I can't, I can't think of a way. Can you maybe get away with saying, well, this year I watched the 4K version, which, which only <laughs> came out this year? I don't know. Possibly. seconds of extra footage, so it's a new... It, no. Yeah, Possibly. But uh, yeah, a lot of people have these weird things where it's, oh, the film must have come out on this date or that date. It's like, you know what? As long as I've never seen the film before until this year, it can go on my list. I don't, I don't 
care. So I listened to Stu Miller's podcast, The Monday Movie Show, and they went through. This was a four and a half hour podcast. That's hefty. This one won't be four and a half hours. No, it'll be five and a half. But, do you know what? It may well be. Who knows? <laughs> so I hope you've got some coffee or some Red Bull or whatever. Um, but yeah, they went through their worst films. I massively disagreed with their worst lists. I don't really agree with the concept of doing worse lists but you know they're entertaining to listen to so that's their choice um but their best films i was quite happy with so i will forgive them for that but yeah i i have no interest in doing a top 10 worst films that i've seen because nobody ever sets out to make a crap film no. they sometimes happen but nobody sets out to make them so you know we will be talking only positives here so um, I will go through some of my categories, and if you've got any answers that you want to chip in, go for it. So one of Sounds the good. one of the ones that I came up with was best events, which was an interesting Ooh. one in 2020 because most people—I say most people, not all people—most people didn't go anywhere. They pretty much hibernated in their houses for the most, as mm-hmm. well they should. But there were some events. So I haven't got... Well, I have got a winner, actually. So I've got some honourable mentions. So my first honourable mention is San Diego Comic-Con at home. Oh, yes. Which was... Uh, it was the first home event. I think it was like four months after the pandemic went, hello, mm-hmm. 2020, I'm going to stick around for a few weeks slash months. Yeah, it was relatively slash, early. It's like July or something, wasn't it? June, July, mm-hmm. I think it was. Uh, it's definitely not the same as being at the San Diego Comic-Con. I speak from experience on that. But it did give a lot of people insight into what it was like. Not even close, though, to be fair, because it was pretty much just Q&As, on YouTube, and you could go watch them. But it's still kind of cool that you could actually just watch all these Q&As. So it, it did give a lot of escapism. So they tried. It wasn't the best event in the world, but if if they end up doing it again, I'm sure they will uh, They will do better. But I'm glad they did actually put something on. And I might add, it was for free. So anybody bitching and complaining about that. it, then do you know what? They did it for nothing. So get a grip and enjoy it. Uh, the next one that I really, really enjoyed, this was a week after San Diego Comic-Con, was something called DC at Home, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed because they, what they did was it was over a weekend and they would have these sort of Q&A panels um, sort of on a scheduled loop for the weekend. So, for example, if one was on at 11 o'clock in the morning but you missed it, it was probably going to be on at 8 o'clock that night so you could watch it again. But they crammed everything into this whole weekend and you couldn't go and watch them later on. You literally had to sit there and just watch them as they were on. (laughs) So it did kind of feel a bit more like an actual event because obviously if you Mm -hmm. go to San Diego Comic-Con, the actual you know physical event you can't go excuse me can you show this again at eight o'clock because i'm a bit busy this morning so the dc at home one was great i think they also put another one on around september but i I didn't manage to check that one out but i saw the the original one i was a big big fan of that one Uh, but the winner for best event is grimfest it's the team at grimfest who not only took their physical festival and put it online also gave me press access from my house which was amazing so i spent like a whole week just doing all these different interviews over video conferencing turning them all into little sort of video podcasts i got to speak to mick garris and, and a whole bunch of people um then i got to see a lot of the films that they were showing so obviously primarily horror based but then so mm-hmm. then that grimfest festival was over and it made me sad 
because it's like, oh, I really, I'll, I love the Grimfest people. But then they brought it back again in December for Christmas Horror Nights, which was a couple of days of a similar type thing. I didn't manage to do any interviews for that because it was during my work schedule. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't quite as good as the the, the early one in the year, but it was still very, very cool. I did get to see the wonderful Death December, which is a two and a half hour uh, collection of short films, all Christmas themed, which is amazing. If you get a chance to check that out, do mm-hmm. uh, twenty. I think it's like twenty six films in this thing. You're like, well, that's a lot of short films, but some of them are like two and a half, three minutes. Some of them mm-hmm. are a little bit longer, but uh, so I definitely check out Death December. And then Team Grimfest are also putting something on around Easter, so that they are wow. they're doing wonderfully. They've been busy. They have been very very busy. They've been keeping me busy as well. <laughs> I still want them to uh, to adopt me, but uh, you know, I wait for the paperwork on that. But they also set up a YouTube channel or Grimfest TV, which is still active, and there's a lot of free short films and stuff that you can go watch there. So yeah, my best event of the year is Grimfest. Everything that Grimfest have done this year. So I look forward to seeing what they're doing in 2021. So uh, is there any online events that you did? Um, unfortunately, no. no. The, the the closest I got, which I have to say was a, a great experience, was uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. So, um, you know, I tuned into that um, via YouTube, but they also had um, a scannable um, link that you could do on your smartphone. And um, then you got that kind of VR experience where if you kind of look around the room, you can see what is um being seen at the parade in 360 degrees nice and how what how so, was it obviously it's not the same as you know standing in the street watching the actual macy's parade but but no but it is great because you get to see all the bits that 360 kind of allows i remember the first time i got my hands on um, a vr headset yeah. uh, the oculus um and uh, I watched um, a WWE wrestling match. You could see um, not only the wrestlers, you could kind of turn and look behind the camera, see the camera people um, filming, and it adds a whole whole new dimension to it, and that was exactly the same with the Thanksgiving Parade. You could see the camera people there. Um, You could see what was going on behind the scenes. You know, you you can look around, which is great. Nice. That is Macy's actually trying to phone you up and said, you know what? I really, really appreciate the shout out. Which is, it is indeed. It's quite nice. I thought I thought we were getting questions from, from listeners then. I'm like, oh no, this isn't live, is it? It's very strange. But no. So yeah, that was a great experience. And I think, um, you know, I think it's a shame actually that um, when it comes to um, consoles, I believe uh, Xbox have got no um, kind of interest in doing anything with VR, no. uh, with the new console and, and, and that kind of stuff. Because, uh, you know, with the pandemic, um, VR, if more people had VR headsets and, and got involved, it could really bring a new dimension to, to being able to go to events. Yeah, it could. It definitely could. I mean, I've got PlayStation VR. I haven't used it as much as a, you know, a thought because primarily it's games and you know sitting on a beach and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, I agree with you. I, we had a chat earlier on in the year about how cool it would be to just sit in with our VR headsets on in totally different countries and different mm-hmm. tiers um, and just watch a movie together in a virtual cinema type thing whilst having a conversation. So yeah, you know, come on, VR people, get a grip, get a move on. 
get it done. So my next one is best podcasts of the year. Now, I don't know whether you listen to a lot of podcasts. Obviously, you've recorded quite a lot of podcasts being on the Geek House one, so that's kind of cool. But do you listen mm-hmm. to other shows or are you too busy with other stuff? Um, usually I'm too busy. I don't listen to a lot. Um, there's there's a few um, kind of official podcasts I listen to, like the Jerry Anderson podcast every now and again, um, but but nothing regularly. Um, so for me, you know, if I was voting, then I, I've, I've got to give it to us. Yeah. Okay. Geek House podcast, <laughs> number one. That, can, that, that kind of works. Well, I'm not going to give ours <laughs> number one as much as I have to say I do have a fondness for the Geek House podcast. But uh, even though these guys only recorded, I think, about 18 episodes this year, so they are they are definitely slacking when it comes to our 56 episodes but you know what mm-hmm. now everybody can be us it's fine mm-hmm. but um so i am giving a shout out to the wonderful team at open forum radio who who have been teaming up with the angry mailman podcast so angry mailman also gets a shout out as well and uh but also conspiracy otter which is hosted by anthony alex from the angry mailman podcast and vlad Hammer from the open forum radio so they got a whole shared universe thing going on yeah suck it marvel you know these podcasts have got it sorted but they they haven't recorded as many shows as i would like but every time a new episode of those three shows drops i always listen to it as soon as possible i've never actually met any of those people but i have spoke to them so it's really cool to to just hear my friends talking so you know shout out to open forum radio angry mailman podcast and Conspiracy Otter. Have a great new year, guys. And uh, just mm-hmm. just record more shows. Come on. Just get a grip. I'm, I'm sitting here with nothing to listen to. So, you know. <laughs> but no, thanks for all the years of recording and, uh, and you know, listening to this one as well. So there you go. I have a favourite podcast episode, which isn't from one of those three shows. So I had the pleasure of of uh, having a one-hour conversation with filmmaker Mick Garris, who directed Critters Two. So therefore, Rob, you're instantly a fan of Mick Garris. But I am indeed. He also directed The Stand, which I got you on Blu-ray for Christmas. So that will be mm-hmm. another reason you're a big fan of Mick Garris. But I've been a fan of Mick Garris's for years. He made uh, based on the Stephen King book. He did the six-hour version of the stand which i've seen probably like 14 15 times which is a lot when you think it's six hours that's quite a lot of hours i've spent watching that story but uh, filmmaker josh boone has also gone back to the stand book and there is currently on tv it's on cbs i believe the uk gets it in 2021 on stars so that kind of sucks we've got to wait for that so you know never mind uh, a nine episode mini series of the stand so, wow. so I actually heard a podcast episode. It's called Postmortem, which is Mick Garris' and Joe Russo's podcast. Now, Mick Garris had a conversation with Josh, Josh Boone. So they were actually talking about their own experiences, making their own versions of The Stand, and they were talking about their own experiences with Stephen King. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So listening to those two guys talking about my favourite all-time story ever <laughs> was an absolute treat. So that's my favourite podcast episode Postmortem podcast, Mick Garris chatting with Josh Boone about Stephen King and the stand. So, you know, they get a winner for that one. Great. Obviously, you can't join in that one. Because have you, is there have been a, a favourite podcast episode or even type of episode that we do? Hmm. 
You can say no uh, if you want, you like them all, but it's just like, so, obviously some of them vary, don't they? Sometimes we have topics, sometimes mm-hmm. we have things like this, where it's awards, sometimes we just chat about, you know, what we've watched and what we've done. Uh, anytime um, I get to mention Tony Todd, that that's mm-hmm. an, a highlight of a podcast episode, so there we go, Tony Todd. Um, I think, um, you know, it's it's great when there's kind of been a bit of homework and um we you know we get to um kind of compare notes on things that we've done uh you know just like this uh podcast we're doing now um it's also great when um, you surprise me with uh, a guest that I know nothing <laughs> about, and uh, I quickly try and scramble to see who they are, what they do, and and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so what did, uh, what did you think about that, Tony Todd? Uh, what did you hear him and Rob say? No, one day I may that may happen. You never know, but not today. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but no, there you go. I was just curious as to what uh, your favourite style of episodes were. So it, that's good. Yeah, to me, um, you know, it's it. All the episodes are good fun. Cool. Just like sitting down and talking to friends. But that's exactly what it is. So mm-hmm. There you go. So I think the ones I'm not a massive fan of is, which sounds kind of weird because it's like it's me that's hosting and we're coming up with all the stuff, is <laughs> when I've watched like 10, 15 films that maybe mm-hmm. like you and Bob haven't seen. So I literally just run down a list and go, I've watched this, this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I spent like a whole week watching those films and I can't talk about them because you've not seen them. But that's just my own preference. That is something I'm going to change a little bit next year. I'm not going to feel the need to sprint through every single film that comes out. I'm going to use my time wisely. So Maybe we should, uh, you know, make it a New Year's resolution to um, kind of pick a film every now and again to watch at pretty much the same time so then we can discuss it in the uh, the next podcast. I did think about that, but I think sometimes that's quite difficult, isn't it? Because it's, I think one of the difficult things about movie podcasts is if you've got to schedule to watch a specific film. So, for example, say, right, well, next week we're going to talk about the Terminator, Rob, and you go, I'm not in the mood to watch the Terminator. To be I like the film, but I'm not in the mood to watch it. It's hard work. Any time for hard work. Arnold. Any time for Arnold. But I do <laughs> have planned a Godfather trilogy podcast for you and I when you've watched the whole trilogy. So that is currently something I'm working on at the minute. So just be warned, that one is coming. Bring on the pasta. Bring on the cannolis, yep. Brilliant. So uh, this is an easy one for me. The next category is the best DVD or Blu-ray release. It's a short and simple one. It was a special edition from Arrow, and it was a release of the the film The Woman, starring Pollyanna McIntosh. And they also put on as a special feature the prequel called Offspring, which had a whole bunch of special features on it itself. Uh, Amazing artwork by Vanessa McKee and uh, commentaries and behind the scenes and all sorts of stuff. Reversible sleeve, absolutely amazing. So that's my favourite Blu-ray release of the year. So that was an easy one. Uh, is there anything you've picked up Blu-ray or DVD-wise that that's your favourite? I, I have a favourite. It's um, it's uh, aged a bit. It's not new, but it's the Saved by the Bell box set. Yeah. Um, only available in uh, the America region um, because the the UK release uh, was missing a whole season, even though they called it the complete set. Um, so I picked up the American one, had to pick up American um, 
DVD player or multi-region DVD player so I could watch it. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's a great um, box set if you were a fan of Saved by the Bell. It also had the prequel Good Morning Miss Bliss on there, which I'd never seen. Um, the only thing is it's not complete anymore because we've got the new Saved by the Bell. <laughs> that sucks for uh, so now, So now I've got to buy another set. <laughs> it's like when you bring out like the complete Marvel set or the complete James Bond set. You go, it's kind of not, is it? Because unless they mm-hmm. go, right, it's done, it's dusted, we're never bringing any more out. It's not a complete <laughs> set. And then you've got to go buy the damn thing all over again in, in however many years. But uh, but still sounds kind of cool to, uh, to mm-hmm. plow your way through that. So this is a category that I know you've got. Best book. Yes. So what have you got on your list? I've got two on mine, because I, I think I've only read about five, six books this year, so it's, you know, easy enough. But T- To be fair, even though I've bought a few books this year, mm. I've only read one. Yeah, I bought, um, I bought about a dozen books, and I've read like four. <laughs> so, um, so the one that I've read is the winner, but it, it has been a really enjoyable book, both for me and Addy, who I've been reading it to as... Um, what we do is kind of um, every week kind of do a chapter, um, which um, the book is The Christmasaurus and the Winter Witch by Tom Fletcher. Okay. So it's the, the follow-up to the Christmasaurus book. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, if if you've got children, you know, aged probably six plus, uh, you know, you can't go to too wrong with a, a book by tom fletcher this is the second book i've read by him and for christmas we also got addy um his latest book which is called the danger gang uh, so that will be the one we move on to um pretty soon now how did you is this a paperback a hardback a kindle one how do you how are these books read oh i I'm a, I'm old school. I don't like a Kindle book. I, I think the Kindle technology is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, Nicole has a Kindle. Uh, she likes the Kindle. But for me, there's nothing like having a proper kind of real physical book in your hands, feeling the pages, that that smell yeah. uh, that a book has. So um, so yeah, the 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 books that I'm reading, uh, the um, the Winter Witch um, Christmas Horus book was a hardback book. Annette does it when I buy a book or whatever, or Annette buys one. The first thing she does is just flip the pages and then sniff the book. It's like some sort of weird, <laughs> some sort of weird fetish going on there. I think I don't know what they call it, but no, I know what you mean. The mm. books and magazines have a have a book and magazine smell, and it's yeah. great. A Kindle, not so much. You smell it, it you know. Technology. Maybe that's the next thing. You know, let's get onto Amazon. <laughs> Download and sniff. Probably yeah. could be a thing. Could be a thing. So, well, I've got, um, I don't want to say second place, but I've got two books this year that I really, really loved. The first one is called mm-hmm. Inside Out. And it's written by Demi Moore. Yes, the actress okay. and producer and filmmaker and whatnot. And it was such a, she writes like she talks. So it was very, very easy to sort of get through this book pretty quickly. I Obviously, I'm familiar with who Demi Moore is. I've never spoke to her, but I know, you know I've seen all the films and stuff. And it was, it gave me a wonderful insight, not just into our films, but more how she got to where she got to. So it goes through the whole becoming a model, becoming a mum, her time with Bruce Willis, how that all collapsed, how she got with Ashton Kutcher, how much of a dick he was at certain times. And it's such it's a lovely book. It would uh, it's one of these I'd love to go, Hey Demi, thank you. Thank you for writing that book. Very, very honest. It's not it doesn't feel like it's glossed over. Yeah. So I would definitely check that one out. Uh, but my favourite book of the entire year, and it's probably not a shock once I mention what it is, you'd be like, oh yeah, I 
yeah, if you read that, obviously it was going to be on your list. It deserves to be, though. It's called Chasing the Light, and it's by the wonderful Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot heavier to read than Demi Moore, and it's no offence to Demi Moore, but Oliver Stone has won Oscars for writing. He's, he's <laughs> a stupidly knowledgeable guy, so the writing is far more serious, if that makes sense. Uh, it mm-hmm. details all his time in Vietnam, uh, all the battles that he's fought. It goes up to and ends at him winning the Oscar for Platoon. So I'm hoping there will be a Chasing the Light Volume 2 um, coming out at some point, but it's it gave me a whole new insight into a lot of his films. So when I was rewatching a lot of his earlier stuff, you're like, ah, now I know why that's in there or why that character was named this. And uh, so I would definitely check out Chasing a Light by Oliver Stone, my favourite book of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I have watched a ton of TV this year, as I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. So my next category is Best Existing TV. Now, this means so you can't put a season one in there. So um, this is where it gets tricky with your favorite TV because I'm pretty sure I know what's going to be on your list. <laughs> so how would I do that? Um, for you, I would probably say that the show that you may mention, who knows, I would probably say Best New TV because you hadn't seen any of the episodes this mm-hmm. year. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, so my best existing TV is season two of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I finished that a couple of days ago. I battered through it in about a week. Uh, eight episodes, that's about eight hours. Uh, it really confused me because there is a big cameo at the end of the finale. And I'm like, eh, does that make sense? That makes no sense whatsoever. So I went online and I tried to find out when The Mandalorian was set. And then when I found out the answer to that, I'm like, oh yeah, makes more sense now. So it's uh, if you've not checked out The Mandalorian, do check it out. And everybody will want a little baby Grogu by the time you finish that show. But uh, I'm <laughs> happily, happily, eagerly awaiting The Mandalorian season three. So what what show has come out this year that you've been watching in previous years that you've enjoyed, Rob? Is there anything that springs to mind? Has there been any new Doctor um, Who this year? Um, we get a new Doctor Who um, for New Year's, uh-huh. um, so I'm eagerly awaiting that. Um, for me, um, because I'm a huge fan of this show, and anybody who uh, listens to me on this uh, podcast every week will know that, uh, it's got to be um, The Walking Dead, uh, season 10. Yeah, like one episode. But, oh no, did we get some before the pandemic kicked We in? did. We did, didn't we? It seems so long we ago did. now. So that, yeah, you're all right with that one. So, The Walking Dead, um, and um, actually, um, for me, I'm going to say Star Trek Discovery Season 3. That's what I uh, thought you were going to put in there. Yeah, um, I, you know, I've been vocal in uh, my uh, unhappiness with uh, the direction of Discovery since Episode 1 from <laughs> Season 1, but with Season 3, we've seen something different, you know, and I've actually been eagerly awaiting the episodes so much so that i've been watching them on a friday which is when they come out which is always the good you know a good sign that i'm enjoying something it is because otherwise you go i'll watch that whenever you know i was a bit like that with uh, walking dead world beyond which has not jumped onto my list of best new tv shows (laughs) you know the first episode was oh that's aired and then when the second one aired it's like yeah i'll probably watch that at some point 
you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll store it up. But, uh, but yeah, Walking Dead season 10. So season 11 or whatever we get next year, hopefully, don't we? Yeah. Who knows? So best new television. So these are shows that you have never, ever seen before. So I, I do not need to be a rocket scientist to work out what show may <laughs> win this award. But so what have you got, Rob? Well, as you know, uh, the the top of the list for me is um, the the prequel to Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Um, and that's from somebody who hasn't watched Breaking Bad yet. Yeah. Um, I started watching the show just to... F- just as something as a, a bit of a filler, just, you know, I need something to watch. I'm, I'm exhausting all my options. Um, let's give this a go and became addicted. I think I watched, um, you know, every single season in about three or four weeks. Um, so, you know, it, it's certainly on my, you know, the top of my list and I'm eagerly awaiting the next season, which should be out by the end of next year. Um, I do have an honourable mention and I have to say it's pretty close I really enjoyed watching it and um, my honourable mention is Cobra Kai Season 3 airs on New Year's Day how cool is that? I'm so excited (laughs) they bumped it forward a week but Cobra Kai isn't that amazing? It is and I'm so happy that Netflix picked it up Same yeah, because um, it was YouTube Red, wasn't it, that had it, it before? It was, and, and, and I'd never seen it with YouTube, but when, once Netflix picked it up and put it on there, um, I watched it. And all those kind of fuzzy, you know, warm feelings of watching the original Karate Kids came flooding back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was it was like it had never gone anywhere, and it was just something, you know, happy and, you know, nice in my life. It's great. It's like New Year's Day, so I think I finished work on whatever I, I'm, I'm in for one shift when i go back to i don't know i think it's new year's eve or whatever that i mean but i am the day after i am going to sit and watch the entire because it's only like three hours in total because only about half an hour long <laughs> these things so i'm just going to knock this full season out in a single <laughs> afternoon I, I love these sort of event things and i don't know your your family does it where it's a case of right we're watching a movie we've got the popcorn <laughs> put the lights out set the projector oh, yeah. up make it an event and that was something i used to do years ago when like uh, i remember doing it with gold which I had never seen at the cinema but when the, the film was coming out on VHS at the time, way back when like 1991 and 1990 or whatever I made a purpose of right, taking the phone off the hook that's back in the day when you had to do that you didn't just switch it off nobody, <laughs> nobody call around, I'm busy, I'm going to be out but I made this whole event of right, I'm going to watch this film. And I don't tend to do that as much nowadays, but it is something I really want to get back into. So I think Cobra Kai might be it. I'm like, I'm doing yeah. nothing. I'm switching my phone off. Nobody disturbed me. I'm going to sit and just watch it, uh, watch all three hours of season three and uh, enjoy. I have to say, um, for my birthday, um, you know, at the beginning of uh, this year, um it was combined Picard launch party. It was, yeah. and it was the only time I've ever done a launch party. You see it um, from PR companies in marketing. You know, oh, you know, the season ten uh, premiere of The Walking Dead, and we got all super fans in London together to watch it and see their reactions. And you see all that kind of stuff, but you never get involved. But no. if you like something, throw one of these parties, get some like-minded people around because it enhances the viewing experience and I will be doing more of them. Do you know what really annoyed me? It's not so much been done this year, but it was previous years. Is And they're, they're not my 
I'm not fans of these TV shows or the type of mm-hmm. TV shows, but Annette will she watches like The Voice and Britain's Got Talent and The X Factor and stuff. That's what she likes. Yeah, everybody likes different stuff. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But when it would be the final, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't try, I try make it an event for her and go right, mm-hmm. put the lights out, sit down, have your food, this, that, and the other. Watch your final. Happy for her. And then she go, I'm just going to pause it. I'm just going to go back. No, you can't pause an event. You can't. No. no, and I used to be genuinely horrified. It's probably the equivalent. Wait for the adverts. In there, wait for the adverts, <laughs> and then run off to the bathroom, and then come back, and go. Oh, I've not missed anything, but don't pause it for God's sake. It, it well horrifies no, me. It's not live it's anymore. It's not live, and you've just <laughs> lost the event thing. It's oh my God. Yeah, it's just like no, don't pause it, which is kind of bizarre. But I need to get back into some more events. Mm. So what's on your existing, uh, not existing, your new TV? My new TV. There was there was a, an easy winner uh, until I watched something else, which is like, for God's sake. So my original winner was going to be Gangs of London, okay. which is a, a British set miniseries all about warring gangs. And mm-hmm. it was ultra-violent. It was on Sky One or Sky Atlantic, one of those two shows. It probably is on Now TV. And Cole Me- Cole, Me- watch list. Cole Meany is in it. So there's your little Star Trek connection. Now, he oh. plays the head of one of the families. And uh, it's not a spoiler because it happens within the first 10 minutes or five minutes. But he he uh, is out of the picture, shall we say. So it is then about the, the rest of all these families, A, trying to find out what happened to Cole. But I, all- I, have to, I have to say, though, just, mm-hmm. just stopping you there. Yeah. This is sounding awfully familiar, you know. If there's some pasta and some cannolis again, then, possibly uh... a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. It, you, yeah, that's it. Probably is, and I think you know, with the Godfather, it has such a legacy. Decades after, I mean, the Sopranos. There would never be Sopranos if there wasn't the Godfather. The chances are the film Goodfellas would never have come about if there wasn't the Godfather. So that one about it's, a pizza. So, yes, this one about the pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sponsored anyway, by Domino's sorry. as well. So yeah, Ga- so Gangs of London. It's very, very Godfather, but set in modern day. It is some of the most amazing action set pieces I have ever seen. It is from the same guy who did the Raid. If you've never seen that, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's a fantastic film. So Gangs of London was like, wow, this is it. This is my best show of the year. Until I went onto Netflix and watched a show called Queen's Gambit, mm. which is. A seven-episode show uh, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. It sounds really, really dull because it's about this girl that plays chess. I like chess, so I'm not bashing chess, but it, that sort of pitch didn't make me go, oh, I really need to watch that because you know how, how exciting is a, is a chess game to watch? It's not that exciting. But it kind of is. But the show is amazing. Is she's, she's an orphan. She grows up in an orphanage. She sees the caretaker playing this weird game. She's like, what's that game? And he's like, it's called chess. She's like, how do you play it? And she learns the basics and she's just a natural at doing it. And it follows her as she grows up and encounters lots of wonderful people. It is one of the most beautifully shot shows that anybody will see on TV this year, uh, beyond Star Trek Discovery and beyond The Mandalorian Season 2. And it is just, it's in one way, it's a shame that it's only seven episodes, but it's also a good thing that it's only seven episodes because it stops Netflix from cancelling it when everybody's got themselves invested in it. But I highly recommend checking out The Queen's Gambit, my favourite new TV show of the year. 
Ooh. Can I uh, throw another one in, actually, mm-hmm. that um, I, I just had to Google just to make sure that uh, I wasn't dreaming? Because, obviously, mm-hmm. 2020 is yeah, a flash, and <laughs> yeah, everybody slept a lot. Um, but at the beginning of 2020, we did get Bulletproof Season 2, and I have to say, I you know love that show that much that i count down the hours and minutes till the next one when it's you know when you're in that um kind of zone of watching it so um i'm really excited about um another season of bulletproof and uh yeah are you excited about bulletproof south africa which we are getting in january the specials the special bulletproof yep anything bulletproof i'm excited Mm -hmm. about um, you yeah. know, for me, I think it's about time that we get something like that four or five days a week, you know, get rid of EastEnders or replace it with a bulletproof. We had the, they had the bill, which isn't quite the same as bulletproof. I don't yeah, remember yeah. that many gun battles, though, but, but bulletproof, I think works because of the chemistry of the lead actors. So Noel mm-hmm. and Ashley, um, and chucking Jason Mazza in there. It it seemed to have the budget that it needed. I think that's the problem with a lot of British shows. If it's not a massive, high-profile show, then it doesn't get a huge budget, and then it can't afford to compete with a lot of the American special yeah. effects-driven shows and stuff. And that's but the thing. It competes really it, well. With, it really when did. it comes to season two, I think um, the first episode where you see them on like a stakeout and there's um, this kind of like a market setting in the middle of nowhere, and um, you know once once the bust happens, you know, you've got bad guys scattering, you've got um, Ashley and Noel kind of, well, one's in a car and one's um, on foot giving chase. And yeah, there's just so much action and fun in it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it competes with anything that the States has got to offer. I think you nailed it when you used the word fun. Yeah. Str- straight from the pilot episode within the first few minutes. It's like, it's it's not a comedy show, but it's a very funny action drama show they've they've perfectly balanced the humor in it so that the chemistry between the two lead characters is just spot on it is very lethal weapon ish and it, it just put a big old smile on my face so yeah more bulletproof please and uh, i'm sure it will happen because i think it has been a success for the oh, company yeah. that's made it so that is always nice to see hmm? so yes so next category is uh, best geek item for my collection. Now I will add that I finalised this list before Christmas. Although, <laughs> uh, otherwise, some Blair Witch Project stamps might actually be on there because I'm still mind blown that somebody thought, you know what needs to be on a stamp? Blair Witch Project, <laughs> and somebody went, "Good idea, let's do it." I think it's amazing. So whoever sort of gave the thumbs up to that, fair play to you. But I would never have thought. You know, if you said I'm going to get you some some uh, geek stamps, which ones do you think they are? I would not in a month of Sundays, and and we've had lots of months of Sundays this year. I would never guess the Playwatch Project. So, <laughs> you know, they would generally be the top of my list. But I'd finalised my my list before. My best geek item is sitting behind me and is a signed digital artwork by Vanessa McKee Ooh. of a of Pollyanna McIntosh from The Woman. Now, Vanessa has also, she signed it, because I'm like, please, can you sign it? And uh, filmmaker Lucky McKee, who directed The Woman, has also signed it for me as well. So that sits behind me in a wonderful glass frame. And uh, do check out Vanessa McKee. Her artwork is amazing. I am so in awe. And (laughs) I saw that she's US-based, 
but I sort of hunted her down and I'm like, I, I live in the UK, I want one. And I paid as much shipping as I would for the actual item, but I don't care because it looks really, really cool. So that's my favourite geek item for my collection uh, mm-hmm. and, and also the Blair Witch Project stamps. So what's yours? What's the best thing that you've accumulated this year for your geek collection? Um, I've just reached over to grab it just so I can make sure I get all the details right. For me... Um Anybody who knows me, um, other than sci-fi, I'm a big kind of um, British comedy fan, you know. Um, and when I say British comedy, I'm talking about kind of your your old classics. So, um, your um, Only Fools and Horses, um, Faulty Towers, Dad's Army, all those kind of hmm. great shows. And for me, nothing really can beat Only Fools and Horses with Del Boy and Rodney. Yeah. So... I was lucky enough um, to um, be able to buy and get a copy of David Jason's latest book called uh, A Dell of a Life, Lessons uh-huh. I've Learned. Um, and it's signed by David Jason really? himself. Nice. So for me, that just goes straight into my uh, you know, number one item um, of the year. Because it's absolutely fantastic. That's very cool indeed. So you'll have to send me a picture of that at some point. Because uh, that is impressive. Yeah, we were watching some documentary on TV the other night about David Jason. There was one over, on over Christmas. And uh, we're both fans of his. But that's, that's ultra cool. If you did like a top 10 list, I'm not asking you to do one. But if you did a top <laughs> 10 list of geek things you own, do you think that would be in the running to probably be on that list? Or have you yeah. just got that many geek things that you know maybe that might not even cut it? No, it, it would um, it would it would certainly be in the top ten. Um, I think there's probably um, two books that would be in the top ten. This is one of them. Uh, the other one is a signed Michelle Nichols book. Um, there would be probably a uh, Star Trek figurine again signed by Michelle Nichols, yeah. and uh, there'd then be um, a couple of photos. Um, you know, such as what the one by uh, lovely Virginia Hay, just because yep. she takes so much time and effort into actually filling the eight by ten photo <laughs> she with just... as much sharpie pen as possible. Did she put like half a half a short story on yours as well? Oh yeah, she did on mine. I'm like, you can stop writing anytime you want. Some people just go, hey, "That's my initials." So you go, bugger off. But I, I remember watching Virginia Hay signing mine. I'm thinking. I'm not going to be able to see this photo by the time you've finished. It's just going to look like a like a paperback book. But uh, bless her. Yep. Very good. Very envious of the Dave Jason thing. Well done. So best documentaries. Now you mentioned that you had a documentary in your not necessarily in your list, but you had like a favourite documentary or two. What what have you got? Which one? Um, for me, um, being a a big uh, wrestling fan. Um, it was the documentary um, Beyond the Mat. Um, it's certainly not a new documentary. I believe it's at least probably 10, 15 years old. Yeah. But it gives such an insight into um, everything that goes on behind the scenes in wrestling. All the, you know, when people say wrestling is fake, you know, well, you can't fake taking some of the bumps these people take. <laughs> no. You know, you know the injuries they have. You know, the people who've unfortunately lost their lives doing the thing that they were passionate about, which is wrestling. Um, and this kind of explores all of that. You know, the. Um, the kind of yes, I am one of the most um, you know 
um, popular and prolific wrestlers of all time. Um, but I don't get to have a break to spend any holidays with my family because I'm expected to work pretty much every day of the year. Um, you're on the road traveling all the time. So it's very, you know, um, kind of lonely. Then, you know, when people unfortunately get caught up with drugs, there's just so many things that this covers and kind of um, shows you. So if you were a fan, and probably if you're not a fan, you know, it's just really interesting to see everything that goes on um, in the world of wrestling. So that, for me, is the, the number one documentary of the year I've seen, Beyond the Mat. And this is on Netflix, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I thought it were. Yeah, I've seen the thumbnail. I've heard a lot of good things about it as well, so I shall uh, put that on my never-ended list of things to watch at some point. So my documentaries, in no specific order, I've watched a whole bunch of them this year, just, you know, why not? Uh Inmate number one, the Danny Trejo story. We're all familiar with Danny Trejo. He's been in a whole bunch of movies. And mm-hmm. this was a documentary by a guy called Brett Harvey, who's who pretty much just follows Danny Trejo around. And we get to know Danny Trejo more in like an hour and a half in this documentary than we do from any interviews and all the films and stuff that Danny's done over the years. Uh, he does make an appearance in Breaking Bad. So, you know, mm-hmm. Danny, Danny pops up absolutely everywhere. But you know, we think we know what a, a famous person is going to be like, and you look at Danny Trejo and you go, yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, I, I don't really know that much about him. But after watching this documentary, he comes across as one of the most genuine, lovely guys ever, and he just rocketed up the list. Annette is not a massive fan of Danny Trejo. She's seen mm-hmm. him in film. She's like, okay, I know who he is. It's fine. But even after watching that documentary, she's like, I love that guy. He's really nice. Uh, he, so he's now rocketed up her list as well. So check out Inmate Number 1, The Danny Trejo Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one is on Netflix, and it's a documentary. I don't even know why I clicked on it. Do you ever do that on a film? You go, it's not the sort of thing I want to watch. It's not the sort of thing I usually watch, but sort of, I'm going to click on it anyway. Well, I mm-hmm. did that with ZZ Top, the little old band from Texas. Right? I'm not Ooh. a massive... Not a huge ZZ Top fan. I, I could tolerate their music. It's like, I know that one, and give me all your loving. I know the car and the videos. and all. So I, I'm aware of them, obviously. But mm-hmm. I never thought, you know what, I'm going to watch a documentary about them so I can learn more. But it's amazing. <laughs> this one's directed by Sam Dunn, and it does just, it follows the entire story of ZZ Top, but it's absolutely amazing. Put a big old smile on me face. I think we needed more smiles on our faces in 2020, which is why I've, I've sought out you know, all these different things, just uh, pure escapism. So yeah, ZZ Top, that little old band from Texas. Check that out. Uh, The next one is Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. This follows an actor called Mark Patton, who was the lead in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which is probably the least favourite of the Elm Street sequels, generally gets bashed. However, watch this documentary. Uh, Mark Patton, he kind of got a bit of a rough deal on this film it it follows his experience becoming an actor being in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 but also follows years after and the impact that that film had on him some of of the impact is not so good but Mark Patton comes off as such a a genuine lovable guy Um, I tweeted my review out a few times and Mark Patton picked up on it and sent me a message and thanked me for it and all that sort of stuff so that's nice when you do that but uh, that one is on the American Shudder, I believe. Uh, so I, I rented it on VOD over here. Uh, another Shudder one. This is a hefty four and a half hour documentary all about 1980s horror movies. 
That's Ooh. that's quite. I didn't know it was four and a half hours when I put it on. It's called In Search, <laughs> in Search of Darkness. Let's watch this documentary. How long is this thing? And it was four and a half hours. So it was. Uh, I think they kickstarted it and raised all the funding, and they made it, and now it's on Shutter. But it's. I think if you watch non-stop 80s movies and you've seen them all, you're not really going to learn anything new. But sometimes it's nice to go back and watch a documentary. You're like, oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. I'd forgotten about Chopping Mall or Critters 2 or, or whatever. Oh, my God, I've not seen that for ages. Night of the Comet and all this type of stuff. So it was such a cool sort of revisit down memory lane. Uh, I don't know about you, but I watched pretty much most of the 80s movies when they came out. You probably watched them like a decade after they came out. A little later. You're, you're a little bit of a toddler then. So check out that one. Uh, next one is Clapboard Jungle by Justin McConnell. This is a documentary that follows a guy who's trying to get an indie film made. And he's genuinely trying to get an indie film made. It's not a documentary that's made up for it. But uh, he, he struggles. And it's seeing his struggle to get an independent film made... Mm-hmm. But unbeknowingly, he's made a damn good independent film anyway with Clapboard Jungle by documenting all this stuff anyway. So it's if you're if you're into filmmaking or even if you're not, it is fascinating to watch. There's a lot of people um, will chip in with their advice on how to get their film made and stuff. But uh, Clapboard Jungle, not one that a lot of people have heard of outside the indie circles, but it's definitely one that everybody should check out. I think that's a VOD release. Uh, so it's not on any of the streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. So my next one is a documentary by a guy called Terry Zarchi. Now, Terry was, I think, about 10 years old, maybe even younger than that. I'll have to ask him later on. And he, his dad was making a film, and his dad went, Oi, come here, I'm going to put you in a film. Uh, I'm doing a little scene outside this gas station, and I want you to be in it. Now, that film was I Spit on Your Grave in the late 70s. The film is notorious. It was notorious then. It's notorious now. And Terry has put this documentary together called Growing Up with I Spit on Your Grave. And I'm not a massive I Spit on Your Grave fan. I have seen the film and I'm aware of its legacy. Um, and a little bit of trivia. The, the cover art, that's actually Demi Moore's rear end on the poster. So that was one of her, that was one of her modeling gigs. It mentions that in the Demi Moore book. I'm like, damn, I, I, there you go. Now I'll look at that cover in a whole different way. But uh, this documentary goes through the production of the film and what it was like for the filmmakers to sort of suffer the backlash of this film. It became one of the video nasties, and uh, it just goes into the whole legacy of the I Spit in Your Grave franchise but uh, Terry was wonderful as well he he retweeted my review and he will come on a podcast at some point but you mm-hmm. know whether we t- we will probably talk about his documentary but we'll just chat about movies and just geek out but uh, growing up with I Spit on Your Grave so my final two documentaries are The Horror Crowd, directed by Ruben Pla. This was one of the ones that I got to watch at Grimfest. It's a very easy pitch for The Horror Crowd. It is a film made up of uh, short interviews with independent horror filmmakers just chatting about what it's like for them all to hang out with each other, which was amazing because I got to hang out with Ruben and, and I was part of his little horror crowd for about 40 minutes while we chatted on on Zoom, so it was absolutely amazing. But uh, again, it's kind of like it makes a wonderful double bill with Clapboard Jungle, uh, The Horror Crowd by Ruben Pla. And my final one is on Shudder. You're familiar with The Exorcist, aren't you, Rob? I am indeed. Have you seen The Exorcist? 
I have. I yep. uh, I own it on uh, physical media DVD. Nice, nice, nice. So I I've seen The Exorcist loads of times over the years, and I thought I knew certain films where we kind of know most of the stories about it. So we we've heard all the stories about Jaws. We've heard most of the stories about. Yeah, Star Wars and and stuff like that, and The Exorcist fits into that. So I'm like, ah, well, let's let's watch this documentary anyway. And it's uh, Alexandro Philippe who sits down with the Exorcist's filmmaker uh, William Friedkin, and lots of stories come out that I didn't even know. So I was so chuffed. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, there's still lots of things about The Exorcist that I don't even know. It is pretty much just a two-hander where Alexandra and where Bill Fried can sit down and have a conversation. It does mm-hmm. intercut with clips and stuff, but it's fascinating. Sometimes just listening to or watching a conversation between people, if that conversation is interesting, then you are hooked. And uh, yeah, Leap of Faith on Shudder is uh, well worth checking out. So there you go. It's my documentary list. Sounds fascinating. So what have we got next? Shall we get on to the biggies? If you'd like, mm, how do how do we tackle that? Should we do one at a time? Okay, right. So how uh, do you, I'll let you, I'll let you go first. Now we'll okay. follow your rules, so you can decide how this one works. Uh, I'm going to say that I have not put my top ten movie list in a top ten order. Me neither, because right. it would just be too difficult mm. to decide yeah. what gets the top spot and what doesn't. Same. So yeah, yeah. I've got top ten, but you know, in my mind, they're all the top spot. They're, they're all winners, Rob. They're mm. all winners. There is no losers. There is no second place. No, I'm the same. I mean, some years it'll be like, that is my favourite film. Yeah. But this year, I don't really have a an ultimate. They're all, it's like, these are the 10 or however many there are films that I love. And they're all my children now. So I'm mm-hmm. to keep them all. So, yeah. So the first one on my list that is in no particular order is an action movie that somebody told me about um, and said, you've got to watch this action movie. There's so much kind of, you know, action in it that, you know, it's it's just going to blow your mind when you watch it. And the yep. movie is Six Underground. Hey, did that come out this year? Oh, my God. I'm not sure it came out this year, but it was when I watched it. Um... So I think most of on my list came out in uh well came out last year. Yeah. Um but we'll watch this year. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, Six Underground. Um good film. I like that. I had a lot yeah, of fun watching it. It's just like a fun um, you know, action packed film where you've got six people who um disappear off the face of the earth to uh do their own things off the grid and uh, yeah it, it's just a I, I when i sat down and watched it i think i watched it twice pretty much within a day um because you know just some of the scenes you know watching you know especially the 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 car chase um yeah. you know it's just amazing mind-blowing stuff so uh do you know what's weird to- though it's like because I think Michael Bay produced it, or maybe even I don't know something. There's something to do with Michael Bay. He may have even directed it. Who knows? But but just uh, certain people were just coming out bashing it. And I know people who didn't like that film at all. And you think, what's the wow. matter with you? It's not believable. It's just stupid, no. crazy action. Get a grip. How can you not like that? I don't know. 
the, watching some people reviewing films is a is uh, is interesting, shall we say, at some point. But I had a lot of fun watching Six Underground. I'm hoping they do a, a Seven Underground or a Five Underground yeah. or whatever. I hope there is a. Fun you see, when when you say that people have watched a film and you know they are oh, terrible film, not believable, you know these are the kind of people who usually watch EastEnders. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, but how many streets do you know where, you know, at least 50% of the people have been killed over the years? Yeah, the MI5 or MI6 or whatever would just shut that place down, wouldn't yeah, it? Exactly. They'd be like, oh, you know, the police would be like, all right, everybody out, because this is, this is not right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, far-fetched films, we need them. We need more of them. Yeah. So, over to you, Stuart. Well, I am putting a film called 1BR. Uh, also known as Apartment 1BR in some territories. I think Britain and Australia, I believe it's called 1BR. Now, it I don't want to say anything more than that because the marketing campaign that the filmmakers have done kind of mirrors the way that my review went, which is a case of don't watch a trailer, don't read a review that's got story elements in it, don't go mm. to IMDb and read the pitch, just watch the film. If you like psychological thrillers that are well acted and well put together, 1BR was a lot of fun. But by telling somebody what the storyline is, it kind of ruins the the enjoyment of it. Mm. And I found, because I, I latched onto that, I generally never put spoilers in reviews or articles anyway, because I don't like them. It's like, why would you? I don't want to describe what this song's going to sound like. Just, just press play and listen to it and let me know if you enjoy it. And the 1BR people were uh, following that. I'm not saying I started it. I'm pretty sure. Because some, some, um, who recommended that? Do you remember Stacey from TED? Yes, TED I do. She recommended... 1BR to me, and she told me, she said, don't watch the trailer, don't read up on it. So I thought, you know what, I trust your film review, mm. so I will do it. And it's like, do you know what, you nailed it perfectly. So then I carried on telling other people to watch it and followed Stacey's lead going, don't read a review, don't watch a trailer. Mm. And uh, it, the film is so much better for that. I will say that it's not a film that I would say you would sit down with Addy and watch. <laughs> so it's probably a 15 yeah. Maybe an 18 at a push, but I would probably say it's a 15 certificate type thing. But it's a great thriller, so I'm putting 1BR on my list. Sounds good. It's already on my watch list, so it is there ready for me to watch at some point. Fantastic. What is next on your list? Uh, next on my list is uh, Joker. Yes, that was on my list, and then unfortunately got bumped. I had, to, I had to kick Joker off my list. It was Annette was not happy. She was like, "You can't kick." I'm like, "I have to because I've got these other films." Well, on there here. you go. Yeah. Joker's represented in my. List. <laughs> it, it, it worked Oof. out perfectly. Oof, um, so yeah, um, everybody's familiar with you know Batman, Joker, and all all the characters um, kind of of, of one of DC's probably longest running franchises. And mm. for me. The film is so good because you actually feel sorry for the Joker. You know, you get all these emotions rather than this guy's the villain and you should hate him. Yeah. It's, you know, all the emotions that uh, that come from seeing what happened to him and how he became the Joker. Um, and the film is so good at kind of pulling all those heartstrings and making you feel all those different ways. So for me... Um, Joker really deserves to be on the list and something kind of really different from from one of your usual superhero movies where it's yeah, so course. cut and dry that this is the bad guy and this is the good guy um you know it's uh you know a bad guy that 
that you're kind of rooting for. Because it's like with, I mean, I like the Marvel movies, but Marvel have perfected this formula. Mm -hmm. And most of their films do follow that sort of core formula. With the stuff that DC are doing, it's kind of all over the place. It doesn't really fit into the same universe. No. So, you know, the world of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker wouldn't really fit working in a Wonder Woman movie, for example. You'd be like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but so, And I like that. I like the fact that they are all very different. It does make it more complicated when people start watching the films and trying to review them, going, hey, I like Joker because I like Batman. This is nothing like Batman Begins. What's mm-hmm. going on? I'm not happy. And they run around bitching and moaning about it. But I think pretty much everybody really liked Joker. I think everybody praised the amazing performance by Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. in that film so it was uh yeah i'm very, very happy that has now somehow jumped back onto the list <laughs> of our films so my next one is a film called they reach which i've spoke to you about it's very to, to sort of simplify it's very stranger things mm-hmm. it is it's massively nostalgic uh where it's about this young girl that finds a possessed tape player yes those little plastic things that had magnetic tape in for the kiddies listening then she unleashes a, a, a demon entity that starts terrorizing her family and the whole town uh the, the demon stuff i'm generally not a massive fan of demon films but this worked but it worked mainly for me because of the performances by the cast um, who were absolutely stunning, but also the nostalgia, the level of detail that they've gone into, even making the, the girl's bedroom with little little sketches of films from the 70s that I spotted, uh, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead posters and all sorts. So this is it's an also, also another shout-out to Grimfest for uh, hooking me up to, to watch Day Reach, but definitely I would highly recommend Day Reach. Mm-hmm. So what's next on yours? Uh, next on my list is the movie 1917. Oh, yes. Good choice. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's beautiful to watch, even though yeah. it's, uh, you know, uh, war, an awful subject. Um, but, you know, there's just something about how the film looks and feels that just says it's on a uh, kind of a different level um you know the you know i've always been a a fan of um kind of war movies and this you know if i was to come up with my top 10 war movies of all time would be on the top 10 and very near the top it's it's just a fantastic film so if you if you like that kind of thing and you haven't seen the movie then get out and watch it and that is on Amazon Prime as well, so you can watch it for free if you've got Amazon Prime. Even but Annette, better. Annette and I went to see That's the only film I've watched at the cinema this year because the cinemas <laughs> just went, we're closing now and we're not going to reopen anytime soon. Uh, we saw that on the IMAX. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, because it's, I, I'm familiar with Sam Mendes who directed the film. He's done some of the later James Bond films, American Beauty, stuff like that. So, and I'd heard that... 1917 was this technology amazing film where it was all shot to make it look like it was in a single take Mm -hmm. so me being a big old geek and trying to learn how to make films myself I'm like right I really need to watch this film and the the technical side of it is is mind-blowing I would happily watch a five-hour documentary about how they made this film how they did some of the shots Mm -hmm. it's nuts absolutely mental but the actual storyline side of it is just 
it's a simple storyline, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's like, you've got, right, here's a mission, go do it. You know, like, d- deliver A to B, pretty much. Go do that. Take this over there. All right. And it, but not for a second does it bore you at all. No. You, you don't sort of think, we need more plot here. Nothing's happening. Then not for a second no, on does the that edge even of your happen. No, for the whole Literally. movie. Yes. It's amazing. It's one that I do want to watch again. And it's probably one that I'm going to rewatch on the projector. Because mm. why not? You need to watch that one on the biggest screen yeah. possible. I'm guessing you watched it on the projector? I did indeed. And it was fantastic. Good choice. <laughs> nice. Now, this next one, I'm going to get a bit of flack for. Not from you, but just generally people will probably give me flack for. But I don't care. It's nothing wrong t- with the Power Rangers movie, Stuart. It's my top 10. I didn't make it top 10. <laughs> um, but it's, it's my top 10. So I'm going to put what I want. And I've only seen like six comedies this year, so that was kind of weird. I figured I probably would have watched more than that. And maybe I've messed up the list because I know for a fact I've seen three police academies. Mm. So, you know, who knows what I've watched this year. But it is Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, Ah. which is a continuation of the Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, all that sort of what they call the View Askew universe. That's Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, bringing their characters back. There's just so many Easter eggs in this film that that hark back to all the earlier films. It's stupid, it's juvenile, it's politically incorrect, but I have not laughed as much in (laughs) years. Ever since I saw something about Mary, I don't think I've laughed as much as I did watching Jane Silent Bob reboot. I put it on, I think about one o'clock in the morning, thought let's see what this is like and by about half three it's like right that's finished i'm so glad that is going straight in my top 10 and it's remained there ever since mm. so, why not have a stupid crazy juvenile film in there we should have more of those yeah so that's in my list over to you well when you talk about kind of stupid crazy films then if i said yeah. to you um zombie apocalypse movie slash musical that can fit the bill and that's what's next on my list it's anna and the apocalypse it's an indie film that i watched in this last week so it did bump off something else from that <laughs> yeah um and it's a fantastic film it really is um I think I said to you, um, you know, when I spoke to you earlier in the week, if I was to make a film, because I like zombies, I love apocalyptic movies, you know, I do love musicals as well, you know, a big Once More with Feeling Buffy fan, you know, this would be the kind of movie that I would be so proud that I'd made. And uh, yeah, I just can't get enough of of it. It really is my kind of one of my Christmas favourite movies now. So it's going to be rolled out year after year. Did it instantly grab you? Well, you know, when you put it on within a few minutes, or or was it one no, of those it, that it does? It grabs you yeah. within the first few minutes. Um, it you know it starts off with um, probably one of the best songs of um, the movie, um, quite near to the the beginning, um, and yeah, it's it's just an absolutely amazing film, and I can't praise it um highly enough um after watching it i did go online try to see what the budget was for for it but wasn't able to find out um unfortunately other than a few reviews where it said it you know it was a meager budget but you know what is meager yep meager to uh, some people is probably wow how did you raise that much money to to me and you but yeah you know what 
I can't wait until you, Stuart, actually sit down and watch this movie because I, uh, I'd love to see what you think of it as well. Um, nope. any, anybody who will kind of possibly be interested in in something that's uh, a zombie slash musical film, go and watch it and uh, and tweet me. Let me know what you think because I think it's a cracking film. What <coughs> what is the percentage of songs in it? Is it wall to wall songs? No, it's... or is there just maybe? You know, a few. Um, it's not wall-to-wall songs. Maybe four or five songs. Okay. Um, I know they did release um, uh, a music album to go along with it, which is, is quite cool and it'd be cool to own. And I think one of the singles uh, has been released now as a single. As Well, one of the songs has been released as a single, uh, which I found out after when I was doing a bit of research on the, on the, sh- uh, on the movie. But, um, yeah, the... You know the the level of kind of acting, um, the the quality of the songs, the filming. It's just a really you know um, amazing kind of British uh, indie film, and, and well worth watching um, to anybody out there. I shall bump it up my list, and you know how I feel about musicals. But every time I think I don't like musicals, I have to remind myself how amazing The Greatest Showman is, how mm-hmm. much I love Sweeney Todd, and how great uh, Rock of Ages <laughs> is. And Rock of Ages, it, it didn't really make my top ten list of the year because it is a film from like 2012 or something, but that was some of the most fun I've had. And that was a musical, so I will definitely give... Anna and the Apocalypse ago, and uh, and let you know. And what I, I think I, I want to see another one. If if they came out and said they were going to do Anna the Apocalypse two, then I'd be there. And if they wanted to crowdfund it, I'd be there. I think it would have to be like the continuing apocalypse, yeah. unless the apocalypse ends at the end of the film. Go well, that was close. No, I thought it was an apocalypse, but it wasn't. Whew, that was close. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a longer version, more yeah. songs. Yeah, bring it yeah. on. Well, my next film is a Netflix original. It is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who is the creator of the wonderful show which we're rewatching, The West Wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also wrote the screenplay for Steve Jobs, which I've been trying to get you to watch for a while. And uh, he d- he wrote The Social Network, which is the Facebook movie. So very, very talented writer. He's only directed a couple of bits and pieces. Uh, He did one called Molly's Game, which I've not yet seen, but I'll get around to watching that at some point. But this Netflix one is called The Trial of the Chicago 7. And it is primarily, it's a courtroom drama, but it has flashbacks and, and, you know, it jumps around a little bit, but it's not confusing. But it is one of the most engaging uh, anger-inducing films that you will ever, ever watch. And it is based on a true story where there was a riot in uh, Chicago in 1968 and the powers that be, the, the police just waded in and did what they did and started hitting people and you know, generally being horrible. And then the Chicago 7 are people, they just rounded up and they went, you'll do. You started the riot. Like, no, we didn't. I wasn't even there. Well, yeah, you did. You started it. Go to court. We're going to put you on trial. And this film is the trial. The cast members, you've got uh, Eddie Redmayne in there, who generally I don't like. I'm not a fan of Eddie Redmayne. However, I am now a fan of Eddie Redmayne <laughs> after his performance in that. You've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in there. You've also got Sasha Baron Cohen, who's amazing. And this is not a comedy film, so there is no mankinis or anything in Ooh. The Trial of the Chicago 7. But he is amazing in that. And if he doesn't get some sort of supporting Oscar nomination, I would be 
very very surprised but uh, this is one of the few films that I've watched twice this year I watched it once on the I say small screen like a 55 inch 4k tv but then I watched it a couple of weeks back with Annette and we watched it on a projector and it was still just as good the second time so there you go trial of the Chicago 7 uh, is next on my list Mm-hmm. Uh, well, next on my list is uh, is a movie that potentially people could um, kind of try and take the mick for. It yep. doesn't get rave reviews uh, far from it. It's uh, very average. But for me, I actually think it's a fantastic movie and well worth anybody's time. Um, the movie is Rim of the World. Um, I spoke of it. Um, on a previous podcast episode um, and it's uh, uh, alien uh, invaders coming to earth whilst um, there's um, teens off at an American summer camp Um, the the teens unfortunately get left behind and have to band together to get to a certain place in America to help with the effort of fighting the aliens Um, Mm. it's, it's one of these 80s throwback movies and um, to me, when I watch it, it does put me in that happy place of being back in the eighties and watching these cool, yeah. cool movies. And I and I really, really enjoyed it. It was made in two thousand and nineteen, um, and you know, in my humble opinion, there's nothing not to like about that movie. I just think, why, why? Why do you think people would take the mick? I don't know. It it's purposely meant to feel like an 80s movie and maybe that's where some people go wrong some people think well you know it's it's 2020 you know and this is like an 80s movie but that's how it's meant to be um you know in there there's kind of little easter eggs for geeks as well so there's um certain scenes that are um kind of pay homage to uh jurassic park um there's E.T. references, you know, what everything you'd expect from a from an 80s movie, well, except for the Jurassic Park part. But, um, yeah, there's nothing not to like. I, I really enjoyed watching that movie um, and uh, highly recommend anybody with a Netflix account to uh, to go and watch it. Nice. And what, go, go over the title of that again? Rim of the World, which is actually the name yeah. of the summer camp in the movie. Okay. Well, I'm going to write that down and add it to my Netflix list. There you go. Got it. Well, my next one is called The Assistant, which I had the same problem you did where I watched it about a week ago and I'm like, damn it. (laughs) I think this was actually the one that kicked off Joker. So it's a very simple film. It is about a girl who is a assistant to this movie media executive and it's her going about her daily life and how our colleagues kind of treat her like crap basically like you answer the phone you do this you do that oh look I spilled something on the floor you clean it up and it is just so engaging and and I think when you look at the the whole Me Too movement Mm -hmm. you can see a lot of that in it and you're like it just it instantly grabbed me and it's a film that probably I think you would struggle to find a lot of people that have heard of it but I would definitely say seek out the assistant uh, especially if you like these indie type feel to a movies, mm. which I do, I love them. But yeah, the assistant on VOD. Great. Uh, the next one for me uh, needs no introduction. It's the Godfather, and uh, it, it, I believe it kicked <laughs> Mulan off my uh, <gasps> list. Oh, well, that's alright. Mulan's on mine, so we're, Mulan is safe. <laughs> it's fine. So yeah, um, <laughs> you know, 
am I the only kind of forty year old who uh who hadn't watched The Godfather until a few yeah. weeks ago? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. but I can now say I've watched it. I can now say I loved it and uh you know, even though there are parts of it that, that I knew were were coming and you know the the horse's head for example in the bed um as yep. soon as you see um the the horse scene where um the the guy who's the the unlucky recipient of it um is is bragging about his uh, new horse that he paid six hundred thousand dollars for <laughs> um yep. you know i knew exactly where it was going but it didn't do it detract anything from the film and then there was parts of it that i'm like oh my god you know where's this going because you know when 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 you start watching the movie you think right you know you've got this uh important don kind of head of the family and um yeah little do i know he's going to be gunned down in the you know in he's out of the picture for half of it isn't he yeah you know he gets gone down at, i don't know what the, the runtime of when he gets gone down but it's like oh okay <laughs> it's not really didn't think i was gonna happen and then a, a whole chunk of it he's in a hospital bed yeah so I here's a here's a little bit of trivia for you because I was chatting to you the other day about uh, some things, but you know the behind the scenes Godfather stuff, <laughs> and when they bring Marlon Brando home and they're carrying him up the stairs in the, the like the makeshift yeah. stretcher, you remember that scene? I do. Now Marlon Brando, the jokester that he is, he actually laid loads of bricks in that stretcher and didn't tell anybody. So when they're all struggling to carry him upstairs, unbeknown to them, they're carrying a, not only are they carrying Marlon Brando, who'd bulked up for the role, but they're also carrying probably about a dozen house bricks up there as well. So God bless him. Uh-huh. Yeah, so did you, did you struggle with the runtime of the Godfather? Because it's, it's kind of a slow paced film. Um, I, I, and it's near enough three hours as well. Yeah. I really didn't struggle one bit with it. Um, yeah, there's nothing where I sat and thought, oh, this was a bit boring, I'll break out my phone, no. or, you know, I just sat and, and enjoyed it. There are bits where I didn't quite follow necessarily, you know, I'm thinking, well, that guy's got, um, you know, uh, a lovely lady at home that he's madly in love with, and now he's getting married <laughs> to someone else. Like, uh, where's this guy? Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe that helps because you're sitting there thinking, right, I need to work this one out. Uh, and, then, and then he comes home after she's been like, I mean, we're not, I'm not worried about spoilers. The film's from <laughs> 1971, 1972. But it's, uh, you know, so she gets blown up and then he goes back and he bumps into his ex. He's like, yeah, all right, how you doing? Oh, when did you come back, Al Pacino? Oh, about a year ago. A year ago. <laughs> really? Could you imagine doing that now? Could you imagine? It's like, all right, Nicole. Oh, hi, Rob. When did you come back? Oh, about a year ago. She'd kill you. She'd be like, whack. (laughs) I'm rightly so. But uh, no, it's amazing. Are you going to be moving on to The Godfather Part 2 at some point? I'm just trying to find the the right moment of uh, the allotted amount of time where I'm not going to uh, be disturbed. Yes, and that's quite difficult over Christmas, mm. isn't it? It's, it's virtually impossible, but those films are not going anywhere. Uh, Godfather Two, Godfather Part Two, I should say, has been out since 1974, so you're right, you know. Mm. It's it's very cool that it's entered your top 10 <laughs> films of 2020, <laughs> like 40 years plus Beat after that it one came of the out. podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody else has got The Godfather on their top uh, top films, but I've seen this film for like 15, 20 times over the years. I love the Godfather films, mm-hmm. and we rewatched the entire trilogy on the projector 
uh, probably within the past couple of months. So it's uh, it's definitely well deserved. Well, my next film, I'm going to do two, and it's it, you know it's easy to work out why because the first one is 1917, which you've mentioned. That is also on my list. Mm-hmm. So we we chatted about that a few minutes ago. It's very very well deserved. Do check that one out. Uh, my next one is a Netflix original film again. It's directed by Spike Lee, who I'm generally not a fan of. I always find him a little bit too preachy, and which preachy is fine, but I generally find he's not preaching at me. So I, I don't really have that connection with Spike Lee films. Mm-hmm. But this is called The Five Bloods. And it is about four African-American war vets who go back to Vietnam because one of their fallen... He had died in Vietnam and they wanted to go and bring his body back Mm -hmm. and and whatnot. So they sort of repatriate themselves over to Vietnam. It is amazing. It's really, really good. I couldn't sleep one night, so I thought, right, I'm going to go downstairs. Um, Because at one point, I don't know how you are when you can't sleep, but there's two things you can do. You can either lie there all night going, Mm -hmm. I can't sleep, and then realize it's now six o'clock in the morning and I've not slept. Or you could just get up mm-hmm. and you go, right, I'm just going to go downstairs. I'm going to make a sandwich. I'm going to put a bit of TV on and then I'll probably get tired and then I'll go back to bed and then I'll fall asleep. That's the one I opted to do. So I'd, the, the Five Bloods had dropped onto Netflix that week. So I thought, right, let's just watch the half an hour of this. And about two and a half hours later, film finished and I went to bed and I slept. And that film has sat in my top ten ever since so even if you're not mm-hmm. a spike lee fan do check out the five bloods uh, it's well worth watching sounds great it is uh the next one on my list is uh gemini man i see i need to watch this i've not seen this yet um again um much like six underground full of action um uh and you know anything with will smith uh is instantly a, a winner in my mind so two will smiths you get one you well, get yeah. an extra one you get like buy one get one free for this thing and it is great when you actually sit there and think that you know a computer's done this de-aging process on will smith to make one of the characters you know so that is will smith there but a de-aged version of himself that doesn't quite look like the uh the young will smith that you remember from fresh <laughs> prince but it's close yeah. enough you know what i mean it and it is believable and the technology is fantastic uh, um, so yeah, it's um, you know lots of fun, lots of action, and uh, you know if it comes down to Gemini Man or Bad Boys Three, then please watch Gemini Man. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Bad Boys Three, and I'm like, yeah, I, ca- I quite like that, but it's not Bad Boys One, is it? No. It's never going to be. But with Gemini Man, I think a lot of people when it came out, they got hung up on the technology side of things. If you take that out of the equation, is it still an entertaining, fun, yeah. action-packed movie? Right. Yeah. The you know I, I don't know why anybody has got a problem with Gemini Man, even if you know because of the technology. Um, yeah. It's you know a, a great film. You know up there with your James Bonds and that kind of stuff. I think with Gemini Man. Ang Lee, who who directed it, he also did The Life of Pi, <laughs> and he did the original Hulk movie, you know, the yep. Eric Banner one before Edward Norton took over. And he came out with Gemini Man, he's like, right, I've shot this film in, and I'm, I can't remember the exact number, but he's like, I've shot it in 100 frames per second, it's going to look amazing. Nobody's ever seen a film that's that's played in 100, film, 100 frames per second. And then there was no cinema that could show that. <laughs> so they were all like, well, here's the film. Oh, is, is this the one that's in 100 frames per second? No, no, it's 24 frames. Oh, 
Can I watch it at 100 then, the way that this guy's been banging on about? No. <laughs> right, so what's the point? Don't know. So I think a lot of people got hung up on that, uh, that they made the film to be shown in a way that virtually no cinemas could actually show the film. It's been in, like in 50 it. you know, years' time, it will get a re-release of it, and yeah. everybody will be saying, what a fantastic movie. Yes. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I'll watch it. I'll check it out. <laughs> It's, uh, it, it will sit on my list at some point. Where did you watch that one? Was it a Blu-ray or was it a uh, Gemini Man, TV? I want to say, I think it was now TV. Okay. Good, good. Well, my next one is Unhinged. Mm-hmm. And this stars Russell Crowe. Now, Russell Crowe is driving around, in, and we've all had these sort of encounters, but they do not end up in in the the story of Unhinged. <laughs> where do you know when you see somebody say the wrong thing to a person, and you go, mm-hmm. "Oh, maybe you shouldn't have said that," and then they carry on saying it, and you're like, <laughs> "This is you should really have shut up five minutes ago." Well, Russell Crowe is out driving in his big sort of four by four, and he uh, this woman cuts him up, mm-hmm. so she's like, "Yeah," and he pulls up alongside, and he's like apologize she's like, i'm not apologizing you're like oh god maybe you should just apologize to russell crowe here he's like i'm not apologizing yeah oh, sod off oh don't say sod off to russell crowe he looks angry <laughs> he looks like he's not happy and he's like oh, i'm gonna give you one more chance to apologize she's like, i'm not saying it you get lost sod off with your beard and you, you put weight on and stuff get out of it oh no this is not gonna end well and then russell crowe shall we say he's the unhinged of the film <laughs> and i haven't seen a russell crowe performance like this uh, ever and it was from the moment where it's like i'm not apologizing to you it just it did not let you go until the end of the film it was absolutely amazing so check out unhinged mm-hmm. my favorite russell crowe performance ever and you will be cringing like mad because you're like look just apologize to the guy for <laughs> god's sake don't do it just say sorry and he might forgive you but uh yeah unhinged mm, so. sounds good it is it's amazing right the next one on my list is godzilla king of the monsters oh i need to watch this one you haven't yep. seen it no, I haven't seen this. Oh. I'm getting confused with the Godzilla ones because there's another one coming out next year, isn't there? Godzilla something else. V-Kong. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I didn't know that I'd missed King of the Monsters. I thought that was <laughs> the one that was coming out next year. So I'm adding that one on my list now. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I've always been a Godzilla fan. Um, mm. You know, back to um, the 80s cartoon, even when you had Godzuki, I was a fan. Oh, me too. Um, so whenever a Godzilla movie comes out, I'm always one of the ones that wants to see it. And uh, this one really doesn't let you down. Um, you know, when when you look at it compared to the other Godzilla movies, this one far outshines anything that's kind of gone before it, um, at least in my mind. Um, And it's, you know, worthy of watching at least once, if not a couple of times. Because this fits in with, so we got the, the, the Godzilla with Brian Cranston in it a few years ago, which didn't really have that much Godzilla in it, I don't think, did it? So that upset a lot of people, but it was still a good film. And then we got Kong Skull Island, yeah. which was also, which is like the sequel to this Godzilla film. Yeah. And now King of the Monsters is still in that universe? Yeah. Um, right. You know, King of, the, King of the Monsters is um, where all us humans, as we like to do, um, decide to kind of start messing around and uh, 
trying different things out and uh, it inevitably goes wrong. Nice. And I would, I know, I know the answer to this, but watch it on a projector. I'm guessing. Yeah. I'm guessing it's very, very special well, effects driven. A- anything where you can get Godzilla more life size rather than on like a small 50 inch TV or something like yeah. that. Uh, you want Godzilla, not Godzuki. Even yeah. though Godzuki's cute, but you know, size is better uh, apparently. Yeah. Um, so. You know, uh, I loved, um, I loved Kong. Uh, you know, I, lo- I love this Godzilla movie. I can't wait for Godzilla v. Kong or Kong v. Godzilla, whichever it may be. And, All of them. I yeah. think they're just going to... Two different films but, are going to come out. One of them will be this person and one of them will be the, 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 the only slight disappointment in that is, in my mind, Kong and Godzilla are both the good guy. Yes. And that's the hard part. Is it's like, which one do you want to win? Well, I, I don't want any of them to lose, no. really. I quite like it. And maybe they'll do it so there isn't like a... Maybe it's not so much them fighting each other. Mm. It might be like Batman v Superman. It's a similar thing, yeah. isn't it? Where you go, well, I like them both, and they end up not fighting and then teaming up to beat somebody else. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's a thing. Wonder if Godzuki will make an appearance in that one. But yeah. So my final two, my so my final second one is Host, which is on Shudder. Now, it's a simplistic film in that it's a Zoom call. So you've got six friends who are uh, it's shot during the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. So that you know, kudos to to the filmmakers and the cast for that. They are all gathering on a Zoom call because they've got somebody joining them who's going to do an online séance. I don't even know online séances were a thing. No. Apparently, it, it was a thing. So things kind of go a bit wrong. I think you'd be really disappointed if they're having a séance. It was like, well, that was fun. Bye, and then that was it. So you know, it's a horror film. It's on Shudder. Something's going to go wrong at some point. Now, I I was aware of this film dropping onto Shudder, but I didn't really check it out straight away. Uh, I tend to be late to the game on quite a lot of films just because of the sheer amount of films that come out. I can't possibly watch everything on its day of release other than Cobra Kai when that drops on New Year's Day. <laughs> uh, but but Twitter kind of lit up with everybody talking about Host. Oh my God, this film's so scary. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. Watch, it's terrifying. Oh my God, this is petrifying. Oh, it's the scariest film I've seen for ages. Now the problem with that is it's the same with comedies where if I say, Rob, watch this film. It's the funniest film I've ever, ever seen. I've never laughed so much in my entire life. The odds are you're going to put that film on and maybe you might smirk. Mm -hmm. But because I've super hyped it, you're going to be like, it's it's all right, I suppose. Didn't really make me laugh. And the same with horror films. If I tell you this film is going to be scary, chances are you're not going to get freaked out because you're expecting it Mm -hmm. to to get get under your skin and, and scare you. So... Uh, it's only about an hour long so it's it's a feature film but it's not a short film and so we put it on I think about half 11 at night because I have Shudder on the, the TV on the Roku box upstairs mm-hmm. in the bedroom so it's like let's check the Shudder out let's see what all the fuss is about and it still scared the living shit out of me this <laughs> film even though I was told this film will scare you I'm like go on bring it on and it still did. It's so atmospheric. It's wonderfully shot. The cast are amazing. And I was, it was one of those things where after I'd watched it, I'm like, right, I need to watch a comedy now, just for like <laughs> half an hour, just to get this thing out of my system. And I've seen it twice now. And it is, obviously, it's better the first time you watch it than the second time because you don't know what's coming on the first viewing. But Host was amazing. Love it. Is this the reason that we stopped doing. Uh 
video Zoom podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I'm done. I quit. Yes, pretty much. But uh, as some people did say, oh, this sort of style of filmmaking has been done before, and it kind of has in films like Unfriended, which is amazing, and Unfriended Dark Web, which is also amazing. But I hadn't seen those two films before. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was a new style of filmmaking. Yeah. That, that I haven't seen, but it's still an amazing film. So, yeah, check out Holst mm-hmm. if you can do. Right, next one on my list is uh, is one that you probably won't agree with because I remember the first time around speaking about this movie when I watched it. <laughs> um, not everybody was as enthusiastic about it as I was, but it's Terminator Dark Fate. Okay, yep. Um, you know, I've loved the Terminator franchise Ever since the first movie, I don't think there's been a single movie I haven't liked. I've loved the TV series, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, You know, to me, the Sarah Connor Chronicles added the whole kind of underwater element with submarines, which was then followed on by um, the subsequent movie after that, Um, even though it wasn't directly referenced. You know, there's just so many things that kind of intermingle and, and kind of join together that if you're a Terminator fan and you're watching it all, I don't think there's anything that, that you shouldn't like. And uh, when I sat down to watch um, the the latest movie, um, you know, I, I just thought it was just, entertaining and and you know a great watch um you know knowing that arnold schwarzenegger um as a terminator now had his own uh kind of joinery um <laughs> business and, and everything yeah it just seemed to fit straight in i was accepting of it and enjoying it so there's uh, nothing I, yeah i think my thing with the terminator because i watched dark fate after it uh, after it come out on disc and stuff mm-hmm. and i was expecting it to be terrible because and the problem I have with the Terminator franchise is it's the same with the Transformers ones. Is whenever they bring a sequel out, mm-hmm. they always apologise for the film beforehand. <laughs> so and they do this with the Terminator. The, the first Transformers film and the first two Terminator films were great, mm-hmm. and then the third Terminator film wasn't amazing, but it was still watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second Transformers movie wasn't amazing but it was still kind of watchable so whenever they did the ones after that they go oh we fixed all the problems we listened to you we listened to what you didn't like about the last one this is the new one this is that we've got it back on track and it's more like the first ones and you love it and then you watch it and you go yeah you've suckered me again haven't you <laughs> and with the transformers movies other than bumblebee they did it with every single entry they go oh we fixed it now and then terminated about oh james cameron's back he's only producing it but he's back we've we've got his sign off it's all back back to where it was and you're watching you got same old thing still kind of entertaining but it's not as good as terminator one and two yeah or the sarah connor chronicles both seasons of that and it was so it's more about the marketing i think that annoyed me mm-hmm on dark fate but so i expected oh god here we go this is going to be terrible but there was a there was so many good sequences mm-hmm. in dark fate there was a the big fight in the the industrial place like the foundry or something yeah. it was that was like oh my the action was fantastic mm-hmm. uh but they made this big thing about oh we've got edward furlong back you kind of haven't mm-hmm. really have you because it's a cg <laughs> edward <laughs> furlong uh the rd stuff i did like um I love the fact that they got Linda Hamilton back yep. as Sarah Connor. It's just I don't know what they can do with the Terminator franchise to make it as good as the first and second one. I don't know if that's possible. It's the same with the Aliens movies, isn't it? It's yeah. like, are you going to make it as good as Alien or Aliens? 
probably not, but they do keep trying. Well, so it wasn't terrible, but it was like, I don't know, I think they just need to put it to sleep now, maybe. Yeah, if they do bring it back, all I can say is bring back Skynet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yes. But yeah. So no, I, I will not have a go at you for Dark Fate. Yeah. Oh, no. So it didn't make my top 10 mm-hmm. or, or top 20, but it was uh, it killed an hour and a half. So that is, that is good. But my number one film... Mm-hmm. Mulan. 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 I sort of bit the bullet and thought, you know what? You're charging a stupid amount for video on demand. But you know what? I want to watch something cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love indie movies. I think they're great. But I just needed to watch something that was so epic. I thought, right, sod it. I'm going to. I've saved a fortune this year. I'm going to spring for the extra VOD money on Mulan. And within minutes, I am like, wow. Mm-hmm. I love this film. It was charming. It was different to the animated film, but also kept the spirit of Disney in it. So there's no songs. There was no talking dragon, but they had the Phoenix thing Mm -hmm. floating around. Um, I thought the performance by the actress who was playing Mulan was amazing. I don't want to pronounce her name because I will ruin the pronunciation, but she was fantastic. (laughs) She got a lot of flack for her political views off the film set. But you know what? I... I don't. Get, I had an argument with somebody on Twitter about that. I was like, "How can you like that film? She has got terrible views on on the Hong Kong protests." I'm like, "Oh, well, she didn't mention them in the film Mulan." So I'm all right. I'm judging the film purely on the film mm-hmm. and my experience with the film. No, you can't do that. You've got to talk about the politics. No, I don't. And so you know, I had a bit of a spat with some guy uh, on about that. But for a, a film experience, I loved it. I thought the music was amazing. I think the film, uh, and I'm not a little girl. I have no wish to be a little girl, but I think that the film would probably be like a really good role model. I yeah. Think, for uh, and you probably be, you'll be able to speak on that more mm-hmm. than me because you obviously have a child who's a daughter. Yeah. Uh, and so did she watch it? She did. Uh, it was me and Addy watching the movie. We watched it on the projector, yeah. so we got to that mm. lovely cinematic experience. And she was kind of hooked from the beginning all the way through she really really enjoyed it just like i did um and yeah i thought just as was watching it you know what better film could you want you know your your daughter to watch because you know um oh you can't um you know be a warrior because you're a female you can't do this because you're a female and then she goes out and does it but not only does she do it she does it better than the guys she uh you know, she then gets, you know, the invitation at the end. You know, everything about it was, was really, really good. I think a lot of people got hung up on it because I saw, and I was listening to, I think it was a Monday movie show where they went, and they actually put this as one of their worst films of the year. Oh. I got, I, I was listening to their worst films of the year list. I get so annoyed. But they entertained me. So I don't necessarily have to agree with the worst uh, films that they've, they've chosen. But Mulan was one of them. And they were getting so annoyed saying that it, and the trailers do make it look like this big, serious epic. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But then it's about witches. So it's like, well, it's not really this realistic epic if it's got witches. And they were sort of hung up on stuff like that. You think, oh, just go away. Mm. It was a f- it's a Disney film. It's based on a cartoon, for God's sake. Look, if uh, Game of Thrones can oh. have witches, then so can Mulan. Dra- yeah, but Game of Thrones got witches and dragons. Mm. and I mean, the dragons don't sing or, or talk or whatever, but in Game of Thrones. But no, nobody really had a problem with the White Walkers or <laughs> dragons or stuff. And I should have mentioned that, but... Uh, but I, I loved it. I was so impressed with Mulan. And I think probably a couple of days after, I'm like, Annette, 
we are sitting down to watch Mulan and we watched it again. So I haven't watched it on the projector yet, but I definitely will. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the lead actress, uh, Yifei Lu, which I've probably just killed the pronunciation, but I do want to give her a shout out anyway for portraying the character of Mulan amazingly. Yeah. So I was very, very happy with that. So I, I think as we discussed at the beginning, we haven't put, we haven't picked a number one film of the year. You know, and saying like this is my favourite one. All the other ones pale in comparison, but Mulan was the first film on my list. So my God, oh, technically that's. I think they're all they're all winners, Rob. Yeah, well, all we're, we're obviously reading these uh, different ways because I'm going down, you're yeah. obviously going up. Because the last one on my list now is yes. uh, Alita: Battle Angel, but but by no means is it number ten. You know, like you say, they're they're Just all winners. Don't but yeah, yes. you know. Actually, when when all the hype and it must have been last year about Alita was mm. was going round, it was one of these films that just didn't interest me. You know, in my mind, Alita it's like mangary stuff. You know, you yeah. know that yeah, it's just it's just not me. And then um, this year, shortage of films and you know willingness to try new things because of that. I thought, you know what, <laughs> I'll sit down and watch this movie and. By God, was it a good movie. So I tried to get into that, and I couldn't get into it. And I think it was probably down to me just not being in the mood for mm. you know a heavy SFX-driven sort of sci-fi type movie. So it is one that I'm going to go back and watch. But I think I maybe got about half an hour into it, and I'm like, eh, oh, it'll keep. I didn't hate it. Mm. It's just, it didn't grip me for some reason. So, so yeah, that's the, that's the last one on my list. So I, I've, I've got some honourable mentions. Me too. Um, just because. So I have uh, my first... I think I've got three honourable mentions on mine, so it's not too bad. The first one I've got is a film called The Deep Ones. It's based on an H.P. Lovecraft uh, uh, story. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, directed by Chad Ferrin. This was another one of the Grimfest films that I saw. And I had the pleasure of speaking to some of the cast and crew as part of the interview thing as well. So that was a lot of fun. And... I wasn't really that familiar with H.P. Lovecraft. It's all big, weird, creepy creatures and stuff. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun watching the deep ones. It's about this couple that rent an Airbnb, and uh, you can tell straight off the bat, it's like, yeah, this isn't really going to go as planned. as stupidly amount of creepy people in the uh, in the film. But if you like sort of Lovecraftian, creepy, weird horror films with weird creatures in it, check out the deep ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I I really struggled as to whether to bump something else off my list because uh, I only watched this about three days ago and it is called The Way Back, but it's also known as Finding the Way Back. So it depends what it's called, wherever you are. Uh, starring Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. I'll pretty much watch anything that Ben Affleck is yeah. in. He plays a raging alcoholic who you can tell has had a bit of a crap life for some reason. We don't know what's happened. But he gets offered the chance to go and coach a church basketball team. Oh. Because the Ben Affleck character used to be a really good basketball player years ago, but then life happened and you know something has sent him down this different path. And it's one of those films where you go, Do you know what, you're going you're to end up helping the kids and the kids will end up helping you. So it's that sort of Remember the Titans, mm-hmm. Dangerous Minds type storyline. But it was such a good film, so I'd, I'd definitely check that one out. And then the final one was uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenant, <sighs> which I watched it from a filmmaking point of view. It's absolutely amazing. I decided 
yep, I really like that. I love the music. I don't need to watch it again, though, because it was very confusing. I don't quite understand it all. But with a lot of Christopher Nolan films, it sits in the back of your head, and then about a week later, it taps you on the shoulder going, ha-ha, you love that film, and you want to watch it again. <laughs> Several times, don't you? And you're like, yeah, I probably do. So I, it didn't jump in my top 10 because I've not rewatched it again but I know for a fact I'm going to end up watching that several times and uh, Neil Johnson said yes the more you watch it the more you discover so I'll look forward to that mm-hmm. so that's my three honourable mentions what you well doing? I've got three as well um, the first one um, was Mulan so we've already covered that so uh, yes. we'll move on to the second which is The Secret Garden with, and with The Secret Garden Ooh, we're talking yes. about the 2020 release um, yep. it's you know, on my list because it's a, a great film, great family film, and um, it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, it gave me more than what I was expecting, and um, the the beauty of this film is that parts of it were also filmed just down the road here, um, Bodnick Garden. So um, you know, it was great, kind of looking for the little glimpses of the film where you go, I've been there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, got an honourable mention from me. And uh, the last one is uh, a 2010 film that I only watched this year um, called uh, The Other Guys. Oh god, that's amazing! That it's film. a great yeah, film. I love it. And you know, <laughs> it is, I it? sat down to watch this film at the beginning of this year with with a friend, and the friend said to me. You're a fan of The Rock, aren't you? And I said, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You'll love this movie. And I said, okay. (laughs) So the movie starts off, and obviously you've got, you know, The Rock's character and, you know, lots of action, lots of fun. And I'm just glued (laughs) to the TV. I'm thinking, why have I not seen this movie before now? Because it's The Rock. He's amazing. Yes. And then he's gone, (laughs) and the movie's about (laughs) the other guys. And in a way, I was completely gutted. But yep. it was also a great movie. And I said, to in my mind, there should be a prequel release to that movie and it should star The Rock all the way through. Isn't it The Rock and Samuel Jackson, I yeah. think, isn't it? Yeah, I, I saw that in the cinema, that film. And it was like, ooh, I didn't know they were in it. Oh, this is... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, it was like it, comp- it compares to the time when I went to see this horror film called Scream at the cinema because I was a massive Drew Barrymore fan and I'm like, yes, oh, what the hell? <laughs> it's like I was disappointed but also loved the film as well. But no, the other guys is amazing. I haven't seen that for a long time. I think that's on some of the streaming platforms, yeah, like Netflix, I think it's Netflix or Amazon or something. But yeah, such a good film. So, good list. Are you happy with your list? Do you think, do you know what? I have seen a lot of good films. I have. It has been a good year for films, I think. You know, it's some good TV as well. So, you know, I've been very, very happy. Um, I do also on my list have a couple more categories that I just threw in. I don't know if if there's anything you can think of that could could be added to them. Um, I have a... um, a short list it could be tv or or, or um movie doesn't really matter um yeah. and the winner for me is the vicar of dibley i don't know if you saw that there was a couple of episodes made for christmas um this year i did not um and uh actually one of the episodes got a load of flack because um it had dawn french's vicar of dibley um take a knee for black lives matter <gasps> oh yeah, you know, yeah how could yeah. she 
And I said to Nicole, like when I watched it, you know, I said that was done so well. And out of everybody you know in the TV world, who would be better to take the knee than the Vicar of Dibley? <laughs> You know, it fit her character down to the ground. So all those people who said, oh, the Vicar of Dibley would never do that. Have you ever watched the series or what? And also, I think these people that say, oh, no, they'd never do that. Well, guess what? They did. They did it. And it's like 2020 has been a lot of things, but I've seen the rise of the judgmental just people come way way out and it's like it, uh, it turns into nastiness i mean it's like so you know you like power rangers i don't mm-hmm. that's fine no problem but then if this was 2020 rules i would have to attack you for liking the power rangers and then demean everything you say in defense of the power rangers movie to just prove a point and to grind you into the ground about how you're wrong Rob. that's fine you're, wrong, and you're and terrible put oh. my pink power ranger outfit and come and beat you up <laughs> and then i'd be like well you shouldn't be wearing that color of power rangers you should be wearing the other one it's like whatever if somebody does something a lot of the social media have been attacking them yeah. and if somebody doesn't do something they get attacked for that so i think this has definitely been a, a year of nobody can do anything right um, which I, I sort of learned very early on, right, I'm just backing out of this whole thing um, because it's not worth it. <laughs> it's like, forget it. I'm, I'm staying out of it. I'm just going to hide and watch you know, the, the final 10 episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine again and <laughs> just let me know when the riots have ended and you know, the world's calmed down and there's, there's viral cures. And I mean, obviously, we've had the pandemic. There's Black Lives Matter. There was the American election. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect storm of chaos, I think for quite a while there and social media for a while was not a fun place to be. Um, but then that depends who you follow. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a Facebook friends list or a Twitter friends list and they're all wonderful movie geeks like mm-hmm. us, then it is a fun place. Once you start clicking on hashtags and go down the rabbit holes, then that's when you discover the whole dark web <laughs> and you're like, I don't want to be here. Just take me back to the world of Star Trek Discovery and uh, Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah. lastly, on my list of lists... I have, um, just because I thought it was a bit of fun to throw in there, best Christmas single. Um, I, I think I think I know who's going to win that for you. I didn't want to out it there, but I, I don't think it's going to be that horrible, crappy one that's actually the oh, Christmas the, number the, one the single. The lad baby about that's sausage roll or something like that. stupid thing. What sort of people are buying these singles? Well, well, What's well the, the 20 billion the with people them? who follow them on uh, YouTube, I'd say. That's just crazy. I don't understand. <laughs> the, the more I hang around with human beings, be it virtually or not, the less I understand them. You know, I've got nothing against um, happy, fun, um, quirky no. Christmas number ones. My only real um, kind of want from a Christmas number one is a catchy tune and somebody who can vaguely sing in tune. And unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Lad Baby doesn't have that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind fun songs, but I don't like shit songs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and that one is one because I heard a clip of it. I'm like, I'm done. I'm all right. Thanks. <laughs> the joke was done three years ago with a different yeah. song. You've kind of done it. We don't. And you know what's going to happen next oh, year? Yeah. They're going to do it again. Well, yeah, they're they're going to bring out some other crap song. Num- Christmas number one in a row. Yeah. So they, they'll definitely be going for number four. Um, it's depressing. We've been recording uh, a lot of the old Top of the Pops episodes. Mm-hmm on BBC 4, BBC 4, whatever channel it is, one of the BBC channels. So we've got it on C 
series thing. And it's been running since like 1980, this thing. So we'll we'll listen to a whole episode. Oh, I remember that one. Maybe. And we'll fast forward maybe one song. Mm-hmm. Now we've got to the 90s and the late 80s. We'd fast forward in like 90% <laughs> of the episode. God, nope, I'm good. I, I fully expect that what we'll end up doing is recording it and just fast forwarding through the entire episode and then just deleting it. Because, yeah, music does need, I don't well, know. Or people who listen to music needs needs an education. I did come up with the answer to to Lad Baby, by the way, um, earlier this week. I thought maybe me and you could have a go at Christmas number one next year. (laughs) Anybody think uh, that would be a bit of fun? Let us know, and maybe we'll have a go. Uh, Abo, do not even, don't even. Abo's now trying to write lyrics for a goat song. I know (laughs) it, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if I don't get a message from him in like a few days going, write a song about goats, I will be very shocked. I'll be very surprised. So, <laughs> but uh, that may happen. So anyway, going so, back to my list um, anyway. Um, I've yes. got I've got a winner and I've got an honourable mention. And my winner is Robbie Williams with Can't Stop Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who can sing. It's a cracking song. The video's outstanding to go along with it. And to top it all off, the guys from Stoke-on-Trent, just like me. Nice. Um, the honourable mention is... There, there, there's a few YouTubers that I will watch. Lad Baby isn't one of them. Um, <laughs> I, I do watch a guy named Adam Moran, who um, is better known by the name Beard Meets Food. Uh, this guy. Okay, is, I'm, I'm I'm hungry yeah, now because you've mentioned uh, that. Genuinely, I'm going to go and get some he's food a competitive soon. <laughs> eater, and some of the stuff that he does is amazing. I watched just the other night him do the double Big Mac challenge, where I think he polished off was mm. it twelve or thirteen double Big Macs oh. in one sitting. It oh, was I can't crazy. Um, but anyway, he he released um, a song with, in the effort to get to uh, the Christmas number one top spot with uh, the the money going to charity, and uh, the song was called "Garlic Bread." I think I'm in love, and uh, anybody who watches the guy on YouTube, his um, his other half is a huge garlic bread fan. It's one of the only things she actually will eat, um, and uh, it's. It's just a kind of a fun, catchy little tune, um, and quite often over the last few days, you can catch me and Addy just spontaneously breaking out and singing the lyrics to this song. So, um, nice. so yeah, uh, a shout out to Beer Meets Food with Garlic Bread. I think I'm in love, and it's not too late to download it from uh, iTunes. So go give it a try. Well, I'm going to give it a second last shout out to you, Rob for all the podcasts this year uh they are fun i do enjoy them i look forward to lots and lots of shows next year and i also look being able to look forward to being able to actually visit yeah. wales which which will hopefully be a thing at some point but who knows who knows when that'll be hopefully when, uh, when some the point waffle very soon, shops but. open up again when the waffle shops open up, we shall do some of these podcasts face to face, round shop. a dinner table from a waffle shop, stuff like that. But uh, but I, I I was trying to wonder what final award to give, and I came up with a highlight of the year for me personally. Okay. So it's not you, so don't get oh. too you know happy. You got well, the second. I'm going uh, down. Bye. You got the second. <laughs> Is there anything for you that has that would fit into the Rob's highlight of the year? Uh, it's okay if there. It's okay is if there it related isn't. Related uh, podcasts, or is it no anything? Just your, just your personal highlight of the year. I do have a personal highlight of the year, actually, uh, quite a serious yeah. one. Um, 
at the beginning of the year, um, my my stepdad had a cardiac arrest and the type of cardiac arrest that's that serious that they're given a 0% chance of living. Um, and he recovered. Um, we didn't know if there was going to be brain damage. There wasn't. And we managed to have Christmas together. And when I say Christmas together, socially distanced via video conferencing. Yeah. And it was absolutely amazing. So you know what? That is the highlight of my year. That is a very good highlight. I I don't I don't know how I can top that. I probably I mean it's my highlight, so I don't have yeah. to top your highlight. Your highlight is your highlight. My highlight is my highlight. So so my highlight is it a film? Nope. Is it a show? Nope. Is it a video game or even a podcast episode? Uh, nope. So this year I have seen loads of really good films. I've played some really fun video games like Star Wars Rogue Squadron in VR. I've listened to a crazy amount of podcast episodes, some of them which I've covered in this episode. But my highlight of the year goes to a person. And that person is Mr. Neil Johnson. <laughs> Neil. So I, yes. I am now bowing, so, Neil. You can't see, but you I, know, we are not worthy. You're mentioned very often on this podcast, but you are uh, well worth a mention. But I, I am raising a, a here. There we go. That's a can. That is a can of Pepsi Max that I'm just about to finish off. So I'm raising a drink to you, Mr. Neil Johnson. In all seriousness, right? So for all the help that you've given me in response to my uh, hi, Neil. How do I do this with a camera, <laughs> Neil? You know what camera you got? How do I switch it on? How do I do this? Or, or Neil, how do I edit a movie? Or hey, Neil, uh, what time is it where you are? I have sent him lots of messages going, hey, Neil, how do I do this? What do I do with that? How do you go about this? And he has wonderfully responded to them but that's not why the highlight but that's that's a pretty good sort of launch for that but my highlight of the year that neil was solely responsible for and which isn't just a 2020 highlight but it's one of my entire life highlights was getting to spend three days on a tour bus with a real life rock band rhapsody of fire and neil johnson whilst not only learning how to film rock concerts hanging out with abandoned crew as in like all access passes and just you know being able to go here there and everywhere i got pizza i got snacks i got sandwiches i got to just sit and chat with them i got to watch them rehearse i got to help them unload the tour trucks in thunderous rain which i didn't care because it was and then load the tour trucks back up i got to watch and listen to them do the sound checks and for the nights of the 14th 15th and 16th of february i spent hours and hours in rock clubs mingling with people i hadn't mingled before and just give them full access to that. So that is my almost famous moment. If anybody's seen the film, almost famous, that was my moment. And Neil Johnson was solely responsible for that. So a huge thanks, not only for all the advice, the adventures, and also the great friendship. And I can't wait to do more adventures in 2021, 2022, and beyond. But a huge thank you to Neil Johnson just for setting that up. It's That's easily the highlight of my 2020 today can i ask is the uh, rhapsody of fire video up on front page of the screen yet not, not yet, yet but it will be in the next it will be in the next couple of okay. days uh the, the the website page that's got all my gallery stuff on hasn't been converted to the blocks mm -hmm. so it's like damn it so i need to convert that to blocks but uh, and then i'll send you that but i still have all the footage from the full gigs and it just it blows my mind that for three days running i was filming an entire 
rock concert uh, you know, in Manchester, Birmingham, London. It was truly amazing. I'm still so, very jealous of you. I'm still very jealous of me. I still can't believe that I did it. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's very, very cool. So, Neil, feel free to blush whenever, but I, from the bottom of my soulless heart, uh, you are the highlight of my year for arranging apps. Absolutely fantastic. Great. And then uh, about three weeks after that, the pandemic kicked in and we all got locked mm. down. So, you know, but I was able to do those three concerts. So, thank you. Um, so yeah, so that uh, this will probably round up this podcast. Rob. Yeah, I think we've crammed a lot of stuff into it. It's been great. This is the final podcast episode of the year. We will resume very early in January, mm-hmm. and we will go through some of our New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're a big resolution person. A lot of people don't. They ah, no point. No, you break them anyway. I generally don't. I'll probably come up with like five or six resolutions for a, a new year and then hopefully carry on at least two or three of them. But I think it is good to sort of go, right, here's my plans for the year. This mm. is what I want to get done. I just try and do them. Otherwise, we never get anything done. Well, the great thing but, uh, is when I come up with my resolutions, I always know how to make them so I won't break them. So instead yeah. of saying, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna lose five pounds this year. I'm not. I'm going to put yeah. on five pounds this year. And you know what? I can smash that, especially <laughs> with the lockdown. So, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, if you want advice on how to keep your resolutions – take a tip from me <laughs> exactly my uh, i mean i do have re- i'm not going to go through my resolutions now but it's uh, i do have some in place and i'll i'll i always like the the week between christmas and new year <laughs> it's always my it's my favorite week of the year because it's a case of i've done the end of year show i've watched all the films there's not really that much coming out i'm all good and i don't really have to do that much until the year begins and then it's all up and running again so for me this is like the quiet Mm -hmm. time and i I do i feel that i need it not necessarily just because it's 2020 and everybody's like i need a quiet year i've been so burned out over the past however many years not even just 2020 and i need to just sit down and just rest Mm -hmm. and do nothing i was chatting to annette earlier on about it and um i said i just need to rest well just rest and i'm like well i can't rest she's like why not i said because things that need doing don't do themselves they still need doing so somebody's got to do them and that's Mm -hmm. me so it's uh but i am going to make a conscious effort over i'm in for one shift at the end of this week and then after that, I've got, I think, about seven, eight days off. I'm just going to do not much whatsoever for those eight days. I'm going to sit down and just watch stupid movies and, you know. That sounds good. Not a lot. Just, just have a rest and eat food and probably put my five pounds mm-hmm. on in, in that week on it, on its own. So, but, uh, so, yes, thank you again, Rob, for all the shows this thank year. Thank you very much for having me. 56 episodes of The Geek House in one year is not bad. Not going. at all. I am all right with that, and I think we probably—I probably did miss a couple of weeks at some point because of the days off and stuff. But I've managed to pick it up with uh, with other episodes where there've been several. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a couple of months there was probably about six episodes per month, so it's uh, it's caught up well. But I hope you have a wonderful new year. But I will speak to you off air, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
um, before then. But just thank you once again. Thank you to everybody who listens and just leave reviews. God said nobody leaves reviews on the podcasting app of choice. It would be nice because it then changes the algorithm, which then makes even more people uh, people. Yeah, listen. leave so. reviews. Give us a follow on Twitter. You know, at from page to screen, mm-hmm. at Mister R Dyer. You know, ask us a question. Send us a request. Got a topic you want to cover? Yes. In? Let us topics. know. Topics. Topics. I, I, topics is a thing. I want to do more topic mm-hmm. ones uh, next year. So if anybody does have any genuine topics, so I, well, I don't want like top five films that feature goats because <laughs> that would be quite a difficult one. But but any genuine topics that you want to hear us talk about, um, just you know, private message us or or out us in mm-hmm. public or whatever, and we'll uh, put them on the list and then we'll uh, knock them out in twenty twenty one. And uh, the puppet will be coming back in 2021 as well. There are plans to bring... I can't find my puppet, Rob. I know it's in a box somewhere in the, in the room next to me, but there's a lot of boxes in there with a lot of or stuff in it, it. I cannot you know, this, find with that I've seen these horror movies. Here's your puppet in that box. It's Has behind it me. <laughs> <laughs> probably is. It's probably run off somewhere to... Uh, <laughs> To, to do something or other. It's probably run off with Rhapsody of Fire to, to go do some touring. But uh, but you enjoy the rest of your evening, Rob. I'm going to go downstairs and open the cupboards and just raid some food because after you mentioning that food program, I am oh, now ravenously hungry. Give, give it a watch. Get on YouTube whilst you're having something to eat. Beard meets food. Meat is in the, uh, the product which you eat. And uh, yep. have a look at some of his latest challenges and uh, just say... God, how do you stay so slim? I will do. And uh, the bit of theme music you're going to hear at the end of this, so you won't hear it, Rob, because you're here when it's live. It is, um, it's a bit of music from the film Tenant, so go check it out. All right, well, you, you take too. care, and I will catch up with you very, very bye soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later, 2020. Do one. <laughs>
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.